and welcome. Oh, can I start? <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. I apologize. Okay. Go ahead. I apologize. I, I, that was not a bit. That was just incompetence. Go on. Okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivio, your podcast for discussions on films that are out of date, out of fashion, bizarre, weird, hard to find, or whatever. Uh, as usual, I am your host, James Eldred, and I got two people with me today. Uh, why don't we start with the person who's been here before, because that just makes more sense. It's me. It's Madeline. Madeline, yay, you're I'm back. here again. This is my fifth episode. We were counting them earlier. I was really, I was really excited about that. I'm like, I'm wow. a regular. You, I, I think you might have, you might have the record. You definitely have yeah? the record. If you, if you, if I exclude movies about ninjas, you definitely win. Yeah, like no or question. like yourself, yeah. because you've probably been on more episodes than I have. Quite honestly, tr- you know, I try to mix it up, but yeah, it's a problem. But anyway. Eventually, I'm getting a solo one. I'm going to do a a Cinema Oblivion home on my own. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll get working on that. But you brought someone with you today. I did. No, you do it. I'm Madeline's attorney. Yes. This is my attorney. But that's not really true anymore. No. It's a little bit of a farce. There was a a hot minute when he was my attorney. Um, I I needed to send a very uh, stern letter to a landlord. I brutally extracted... A security deposit yeah. from a lunatic <laughs> landlord. And that is really the only qualification yeah. that he has as my cruelty my, that my, was my, uh, shocking attorney. even to me. Yeah. Okay. I, I won. I won. I got my money back. <laughs> uh, woo! Uh, can I am I allowed to say your first name at all? Or do I have to a few yeah, like of course. Yeah, my, yeah, no, I, I would hate for you to have to describe me for the rest of the I don't know how long <laughs> as attorney be, as Madeline. Attorney. attorney. Hey attorney, I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well I'm here. Uh, you could you could I mean that would befit my my title. But I uh but I am Alfred. Like the butler okay. yes and you guys have your own podcast yes uh, it is called madeline and her attorney watch movies this is why i introduce you in that order because otherwise yeah. it'd be weird here's someone's yeah. attorney also here <laughs> it's madeline <laughs> madeline Although, you know, it might have worked here's i have madeline's attorney with me this evening <laughs> i i have to say that <laughs> that'll pay I, off. i've been listening to your podcast more lately because for a while i wasn't listening to ones move movies i haven't seen and then i realized hey you know what that's like five minutes of the podcast sometimes <laughs> see i just i told him earlier we just did an episode on bullet train and yeah. I think the episode is an hour and 40 minutes long, and we probably talked about Bullet Train for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have listened to the, um, the, the what's the one about, the, about with, with Ethan Hawke? The Black Phone? Black Phone, yeah. I, yeah. I haven't gotten to the, you keep, you keep bringing up his name, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get sidetracked. And usually, that makes me want to murder a podcaster, but luckily, you guys are funny, so it's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> and and I get to hear more stories about queso dip, which is always <laughs> like, you're my go-to queso dip podcast. Well, here's an admission before oh, we recorded. Oh no. Actually, the thing we did immediately before recording just now was to watch the movie we're going to be discussing. But That's immediately good. before that, we did go to On the Border Absolutely. and down some sangria swirls and um, Corona Ritas. So you're a little tipsy. No, no, not, uh, no, no. We're, we're full, full blown yeah, drunk. Yeah, full blown drunk. Up. Okay, Actually, well that's I, fine. I should ask I am, the question: what's the what's the profanity uh, level on this on this podcast? I don't want to be. Uh, uh, I don't a know. Bad no guest. racial slurs. Other than that, I think you're okay. You'll be, you'll be fine as long as we don't play quotes from the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. You can say you can you can swear and you can you can swear. I, I fucking swear all the time. It's okay. Okay, yeah, um, no, and I just I really I can turn it off, but it's my natural uh, vernacular. I cannot to, to drop it. It's really unfortunate because my mom my mom listens to this podcast and then I feel bad. But uh, um, 
So I think you're in a right mental state for this film. I am not. I am stone cold sober because it is 10 o'clock in the morning in Tokyo. Oh, so There is a solution to that problem. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it's called it alcoholism. Would be, uh, shots. We do mimosas here. That's, that's, that's the favorite not, form of Yeah, breakfast. but it's like a Friday. It's like not even the weekend. I'm on, I'm, I'm on, va- I'm on vacation, but <laughs> I'm not, I am not a 10 a.m. drinker unless I'm on a plane. So, uh, anything goes I, on a plane. Anything, as, as this movie told us, there is anything no goes on a plane. Rules once you're in the air. Yeah. Yes. Um, but speaking of no rules, I want to talk about this movie. This movie is Shakedown from 1998. A movie. Have so before I recommended this one. Have you guys have even ever heard of this movie? No, I had never heard. Had of not it. heard of it. So no. I want to really quick how I know this movie. So 88. So I was nine. And I saw this with my dad because he's good at that. Cool and <laughs> I remember, yeah, oh, he was, yes. Um, and I remember, I remember two scenes from the film crystal clear because I was watching it with my dad and my mom. And when both these scenes happened, my mom said something like, "That's fucking stupid." <laughs> God, even in the eighties, this movie came off as uh, over the top. That's wild. <laughs> that is no, crazy. It, it was. It was the. But not to get ahead of ourselves, but the finale because oh my god, and the, out of control, yeah, and the bail scene. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was <laughs> like, "No, that bail scene." Oh my god, I can't wait to. So, like, I wanted to talk about this because this movie is hilarious, and I wanted Madeline on here because Madeline, you're great, and I wanted your attorney on here because I wanted because because Alpha, you're great, and I wanted legal advice on this film because well, look, I'm, we'll get there. Yeah. Here's the other thing that I I don't think crossed your mind, but for us was huge. We're we're like in New York City. I mean, yes, I yes. live in New York City. I am yeah, a I born New Yorker. I was born in Manhattan. <laughs> he went to law school in Brooklyn. So this is a New York movie. Yeah, this movie it's is really as New like, York as like big. Yeah, that's <laughs> big. Yes, the other famous New York film. Um, <laughs> Two movies about New York. <laughs> it's either big or shakedown. <laughs> you know, you- nothing in between, <laughs> nothing on either side. <laughs> Around the same time period. So, hey, that checks out. Uh, this also is like one of the last, this has to be one of the last like sh- shitty New York movies. Like, 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 you know, bad New York movies. Like, like crime infested, disgusting. Well- I mean, uh, if you start looking through Glickenhaus's filmography, <laughs> you will see that he did, in fact, work on some of um, Henenlotter's films in a, pr- a producer uh, role. And th- some of uh, many of those were made after this. And I would say that they are like true gritty New York realness. But this might be the last gritty, big budget New York movie. Yeah. And, and, so, and I think to your point, New, New York really did start to change. Times Square turned into a Disney a Disneyland mm-hmm. sort of theme park. Yeah. That, that Through theater, the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it I was, really happened I was, in my teenage years. Yeah. I was just talking about that. I was on another podcast talking about the Warriors. And how that is like peak shithole New York, and it's beautiful. Yeah. I love the movie, movie that understands how far away Coney Island actually is. Yeah, what's that yes. movie with Bill, Bill Murray about the bank robbery? Where's the clown? The clown one. Quick change. Quick change. That's another good, movie that's wow. all about good, the deterioration in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you're right. From, from '88 on, it starts to turn into a theme park. Yes. And but you, you mentioned the director James Glickenhaus. This man's a yes. madman. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so our audience doesn't notice, but I have like very detailed notes for episode and my notes for Glickenhaus start with this fucking guy. Because and Alfred fu- asked if we could curse. Yeah. 
<laughs> this fucking guy. Um, he's a uh, he's a weird. This guy's this guy's weird. I think he's super New Yorker, like born and raised New Yorker, and you can tell. And his dad is in was in. I imagine his dad's passed away. His dad was a like uh, what do you call that? Um, investment banker or like an uh, investment firm. And okay. so this guy probably comes from money and then he had some weird cruise ship deal to make more money and then use that to make his first movie. Which the astrologer. Madeline, you, you saw that. You saw the astrologer. I think Alfred yeah. has been excused Al- in that one. Well, Alfred not did not get to watch it, but I did give him a quick rundown of it earlier today. <laughs> um, can I, can I like from memory recite oh, my letterbox please. review of this movie? Please, Yes. So I put it on maybe a week or two ago and my review of it is I wanted to watch something that I didn't have to pay attention to. I didn't expect something that I wouldn't want to pay attention to. <laughs> I I think I liked it more than you because it was so bizarre. Yeah, I, it's um, just ridiculously boring. It's and it, and even he acknowledges it. Like he's yeah. aware that he made a boring movie that's a lot of people talking, but the ending is so batshit while also being like small. Like it's batshit although it's just people talking still. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a naked woman talking about how she might be the reincarnation of the Virgin Mary, you know. Might be. No, it's well, confirmed is, she, she pretty is, much. Yes. And then it's a yeah. slow zoom on on someone who it's implied that that's Jesus, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think, I think that's on Tubi, and which God bless Tubi, and I, I love Tubi. I love Tubi so much, and I think even if you don't, everyone in the world should watch the opening exposition of the astrologer. Oh yeah, because it is this this, this voiceover talking about how some astrologer named Alexi figured out perfected astrology and knows the zodiacal potential of every human on the planet and yep. just and then interzod yep that's which, how he was able I to calculate a new podcast, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that's how he was able to calculate the second coming of christ <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean duh so you've seen that you haven't seen the exterminator I have not. That actually was the first Glickenhaus film I, I ever watched. So I've not gotten to see anything he did between that and Shakedown. So I've seen The Exterminator and The and the Soldier. The Soldier is dog shit. That's a Ken Wall movie. That's the guy from Wise Guy. And it's boring as hell. And The Exterminator is disgusting. It's like if you thought Death Wish was, too, was for pussies. <laughs> it is just a vile, vile movie. That that has like under underrates boy like brothels and like people getting set on fire and a meat grinder death. You you you'd love it, Madeline. I'm gonna love it. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely want to watch that. Yeah. And of his later films, I did see Slaughter of the Innocents with my dad, which is a movie about a serial killer, and then I think the protagonist is like a ten year old boy. That's quite Uh, a title. Yeah, it's a it. That's a sweet to video thing. It was okay. I mean, I saw it when it came out, and you know, so almost 20 years ago so 30 years ago i'm old so i don't remember much but i did like it and then he made some other movies and he retired and went back into investments and now glickenhaus is most famous for his collection of extreme sports cars wow if you if you you google his name you find out more about sports there are more interviews about sports cars than movies that actually explains a couple things about shakedown it really does 
extreme. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call them extreme, but like, but cool, extremely uh, yeah. eye-catching automobiles in the car. Yeah, in, yes. in the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Glickenhaus's like movies. His mo is nice cars. Um, I think next to the guy who made Gone in sixty seconds, his movies have the, his movies have the nicest cars. Um, like that in, in the Astrologer, there's that really good car. Remember, like that really yeah. as a random like super weird sports car. Anyway, all um, I remember is the zoom in on Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I can't blame you. Um, <laughs> and ridiculous stunt work and plot, you know, characters, <laughs> logic, no, and nothing makes sense. And 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 Madeline, I know I told her this on Facebook, so laugh again. But uh, Alfred, have you ever seen um Thumb Mama from the Train? Yeah, I, I've seen that. So there's that scene in the movie. So Billy Crystal in that movie is a he's like a a, 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 a community college like teacher, and there's yeah, that woman in his class who's telling who wrote a story about a submarine captain but doesn't know anything about submarines. Right. So she's saying things like, and then he pressed the button that did the thing. Right. That's Zane's Glickenhaus. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. This. this- this movie feels like he, he kind of expects the audience to assume, you know, that this all kind of works out, right? Of course they're at a bar together. Of course they're on a roller coaster. Not only that, he obvi- <laughs> we watched The Astrologer. I'm pretty sure he had no understanding of astrology. No, I don't um, think so. If you watch- Can I jump in real quick? That yeah, astrologer, please. like that, uh, that yeah. uh, perfect zodiological like prediction, yeah. that feels like a cool Marvel character. It does, actually. <laughs> the, like, you're the you're, you're describing this movie and laughing about it, and I'm like, this sounds like a movie that would kick ass if it was made like by... No, mm, I agree. I wish someone would remake David it Fincher. without the Jesus stuff. If David Fincher and, made it, it would be a perfect And movie. like without the potentially racist stuff. Well, fine. Well, you know. I'm not encouraging racism. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. I'm just saying I do kind of enjoy the idea of zodiological pinpoint accuracy mm-hmm. I, I i know madeline didn't like it i wouldn't say it's a good movie but i would i i enjoyed watching it because it was so stupid yeah it made no sense like all the soldier is about a potential the, the plot of the soldier is i believe palestinian terrorists arm uh oil field with nuclear weapons and they're going to nuke all of the world's oil supply unless israel withdraws from the west bank Oh my God, sold. <laughs> and Jesus. And that, and that is rough. <laughs> and and oh it gets and then so then the 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 solution by the soldier who is like some super secret government wing is to infiltrate American missile bases to threaten to start World War Three if anyone retaliates from any potential war. It makes no sense. It is I don't know complete, what you're talking about. This I don't know either, and I saw it twice. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna initiate this plan right now. Okay, oh, no. soldier, the soldier project. Yes, the soldier project, <laughs> and and the exterminator. Like he doesn't understand how flamethrowers work. He doesn't understand how prostitution works. He doesn't understand like how human interactions work. Um, he made the protector with Jackie Chan, and he he made Jackie Chan do American stunts. So he doesn't understand how Jackie Chan works. <laughs> oh, I have <laughs> seen the protector. Is it bad? Um, I don't remember it at all, so okay. I guess I can't say. It has Danny Aiello in it, I think. Um, we were just talking about him because well, who sort is of, it? Because Danny Aiello the third was the top billed stuntman on this movie. Yeah, and that's Danny Aiello's <laughs> son. Yeah, yeah. No I way! Did, I didn't know. Yeah, 
No, we noticed it while watching the credits. We're like, Danny Aiello, three. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. Um, And so what was I going to say? But this movie, which we'll get to in a bit, he does not, I don't think he understands how the American legal system works. Listen, I hear you. And you sent me an email where you told me that this was like, perhaps this was quite possibly the most unrealistic, you know, courtroom movie ever made. Mm -hmm. It's surprisingly... It's surprisingly authentic. Oh, no. Now, it's, pos- it's, po- it's possible that you set me up to expect it to be real ridiculous. <laughs> and it's only like movie ridiculous. But I've seen movies that are way more well, um, irrational about how court operates. I mean, in this movie, they made some salient objections to various cross-examination questions. That, but, like, uh, but go on, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it has some – but I think the combination of the ridiculousness in the courtroom plus the ridiculousness outside the courtroom – Oh, the, the outside the courtroom stuff was egregious. Like that was really where we were like, you would not. It's <laughs> almost three different movies, frankly. Yeah. It's it's like <laughs> Madeline said, this movie feels like it might have inspired or was inspired by Lethal, Lethal Weapon. Weapon. And yeah. she thought, and, oh, and I don't want to speak that for Sam you. That Sam Elliott yeah. is, is basically Riggs. Yeah. Right? Very, yeah. very heavily influenced by Martin Riggs. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the courtroom stuff, which almost has like real – gravitas and and you're laughing about it so maybe it didn't hit you but frankly <laughs> there was a compelling like you know almost like a Sydney Lumet movie inside this movie yeah. where uh, uh Rashomon style like uh you know Retailing everyone of, everyone yeah, arrives yeah. at the scene after it's occurred and everybody's got a different perspective of what happened and then at the same time Sam Elliott Shoots a roller coaster into, into the into the into the, the Hudson River. Or yeah, we really have. Bay. I guess we should say a little bit what it's about. We're gonna. I think we're gonna yeah, get really spoiler. Point, we're gonna get super spoiler heavy on this. I imagine. But this, yeah, this, I, I mean, I will say, I think this is a movie that will not be ruined by spoilers. There's also but, a pointless love triangle. I'm yeah, being this movie is oh. fucking bonkers. There's also, a lot you in set it. us up to think like you were like, <laughs> it's not a good movie. Uh, we had a delightful one time. hour in. I was like, I kind of. Really like this. (laughs) So, so Madeline, what is the movie about? So, the movie is about a um, a drug dealer uh, kills a cop, Um, and this happens off camera, so we don't know how it goes down. And so, the crux of the film is the trial about this murder because the drug dealer is saying it is self defense, and the uh, the city of New York is saying that this guy murdered a cop in cold blood he's undercover yeah an undercover cop in cold blood yes and and, and, and the, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead oh um and so peter weller plays the attorney <laughs> yes. and sam elliott plays the good cop who is yes. kind of sneaking info so it's really about the two of them investigating everyone in the behind the scenes of this event and honestly, it's a little hard to explain it better than that. Yeah, because think, it's chaos. <laughs> I think the, the the drug dealer is he 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 tells he tells Peter Wells character Dalton that the cop was a crooked cop, and he could, mm-hmm. he was a, he was a quote blue jeans cop, which yeah. is a cop who steals drug money to buy designer jeans. The in yeah, other Levi's, countries, right? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> left, yes, yes, Wranglers. Um, in other countries, this movie is called Blue Jeans Cop. Have you ever seen? That's a much better title. Yeah, actually, is a really <laughs> yeah, it good really title. is. Have you ever seen what is it? Knockoff with John Claude Van Damme and Rob Schneider. Should I? 
Yes, hundred no. percent. Sparks did the score, and it is Wait, the what, cinem- Yeah, hundred percent. Sparks did the score, and there's a song where they just sing about Troy Hark, the Hong Kong director who came to America to make this movie. This movie is the cinematic, um, uh, like what do you call it when something intangible becomes tangible? Manifestation, Manifestation of cocaine. You're saying that you're saying <laughs> Which one knock off. Knock off, knock off. But yeah, that just reminded me. I think the I remember the, uh, yeah. the trailer for that. And there's a scene in the trailer where Rob Schneider is whipping Jean-Claude Van Damme with a fish. Yeah, that to happens. To Jean-Claude Van Damme run faster while pulling a pedicab. That 100% happens and, very uh, early on in the movie, actually. I couldn't actually. believe it. It's a real Which movie. I was like, no yeah. way, man. But yeah, that movie deals with jeans and dirty cops. So oh, good okay. double feature with Shakedown. Um, and now we will return to not okay. going on our tangents. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, 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 I knew. I, I assumed this would happen. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, where was I though? Um, so, yeah. So the, I, my favorite thing about the cast, really, because like we don't really talk about who made this, because other than Glickenhaus, it's nobody. Um, like, um, the only person behind the scenes who did anything is uh, the cinematographer John Lindley. He was a cinematographer on Field of Dreams and Super in the Rainbow. He's the only oh, wow. one who kind of, and, and he did, won an Emmy for Pan Am, so he got out. Nobody else looked, did anything. It looked great. Um, what, was that, what was that? The movie looked great. Yeah, it was a really yeah, good the movie. The movie looks great. Yeah. It looks like film. The primary yeah. reason we probably liked this movie was that it looked so good and it looks so, it looks so much like actual New York. Yeah. We, we yeah. were watching the Shout Factory Blu ray. Oh, wow. I'm jealous. I only, I only got it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, it looks so good. And it looked great. Oh. Man, because on Amazon it's too, it's a little compressed in parts, and it doesn't like the night parts aren't as aren't as like crisp as you want. So like, again, physical media better than always better. Streaming. Always Stand better. Stand by always it. Better. Um, going into the cast, I like that. So Peter Wells' character is named Dalton, which is the same name as Patrick Swayze's character in Roadhouse. Oh, hey, which also stars Richard Marks. Madonna Richard Marks at Sam Elliott, who yeah, plays yeah. <laughs> is Sam Richard Marks. Sam he plays Elliott. like the uh, the the older like sensei. Like yes. he <laughs> plays he plays the he plays the hottest man in the world in that movie. Um, <laughs> Which, honest, I was saying like during it, I'm like, you know, both of these guys are not like what I would normally be attracted to, but I'm weirdly attracted to both of them, like a lot. <laughs> so. Sam Elliott's not my type, but Sam Elliott is my type. He's <laughs> like, got a gravitas to him, right? Oh, like he's kind of hot. It's, <laughs> and he's been, it's the voice and the fact that he's been old since he was 25 years old. And like he, yeah. he, he, he wears it well. Like in this movie, he calls himself an old man. In this movie, he's my age. And I'm like, fuck you, Sam Elliott. <laughs> <He's> 40, <laughs> I think he's 42 when he made this movie. So like, but he yeah, looks like he's and, yeah and then weller is like a gray alien right like he looks like an alien man yeah i call him I like, handsome james spader yeah he's he, I like you said he was a 10 out of 10 in la well i i think he i said what i what i said what i think was he'd be a 10 at any party we throw yeah he'd that, be this eye-catching like mm-hmm. like boba light in a in a you know in a house in new jersey but yeah i mean he looks everybody in this movie has di- like a distinct jawline and yes. none of them look like New Yorkers. And <laughs> none of them side like characters. Yeah. And none of them look like the stunt doubles either. Um, <laughs> oh, not at all. No, and there's a all. scene where you full on see the face of Peter Wells' <laughs> stunt double. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, yeah. I, I like Peter Well. Peter Well is a weird actor. Like he, 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 he's so like idiosyncratic in, in his roles, like how he acts. 
I feel like he always stands out, even in bad films like Leviathan. Like he's he's a fun actor. I was just um, watching the trailer for Leviathan, and in the trailer, movie. he looks like he's tired. I'm like, oh man, that's a that's a dark energy. That's a rough movie. That's a rough movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to point out really quick because it's just funny as hell that he quit acting for a while to be an art professor at Syracuse University. And he kind of rules. He has a PhD in Italian Renaissance art history. Um, and I want to read I want to read a review of his class from RateMyProfessor.com. It says, quote, You don't attend Mr. Wells' classes because he was Robocop. You attend for the knowledge he imparts. And boy, did he ever impart knowledge. Forget acting, sir. You have such knowledge. It would be a shame to waste it on acting. <laughs> and I just... Imagine how I, surreal that would be if I you didn't disagree. know it was Robocop. I'm going to attend his class because he was Robocop. <laughs> yes, same here. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like... There's a, there's a, the, um, one of the guys from Men at Work is a physics teacher. Like the band Men at Work. And yeah. Imagine, like, if nowadays no one would know who that is except me. <laughs> and so, like, if I, because I'm me. And if I went to, like, if I went to college and my professor was like a one hit wonder or, I don't know, fucking Robocop, I would not, I would fail. Because <laughs> I would imagine just ask. If, imagine if you had Professor Robocop and he was like, I'm, <clears throat> I'm Professor Weller. I'm here to talk about Italian Renaissance art. <laughs> And you're like, well, right? Is that Robocop? And he never once acknowledged it. And you're like, I'm pretty sure this, I'm pretty sure my professor, who has the same name as the guy who played Robocop, is in fact the guy who played Robocop. And, you're, and, you're, and your dad would be like, that's fucking impossible. You're at Syracuse University studying Italian Renaissance How art. How could Robocop be there? It sound, you sound like you're stoned out of your mind. And then it's like, no. And, 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 and then some, but someone else was like, no, man, it's Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, Nobody <laughs> would take this class because of RoboCop. I'm like, well, yeah, I know. I didn't take it because of RoboCop, but I just need somebody to acknowledge that RoboCop is teaching this class. <laughs> like, um, earlier, I, 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 I accidentally called Sam Elliott Richard Marks. That's not because I'm a huge Richard Marks fan, although, you know, um, it's because this character's name is Richard Marks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and the drug dealer's name is Mike Jones. And Mike Jones is a rapper. Uh, yes. I don't know. Yes. He had that song inside his phone number. And, e yes. and Mike Jones' big thing is to go, Mike Jones. So every time <laughs> every time someone said Michael Jones, I, I would say, Mike Jones. And I think my <laughs> boyfriend wanted to kill me because he does not know who the fuck Mike Jones is. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. It does yeah. make it better. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, other people in the cast I, the one that stuck out to me and totally wasted in the role is Antonio Fargas wait who is he who is he he's, the, he's NC he's the, 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 the drug dealer okay that's Antonio Fargas is Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch and he was in Shaft he's in Cleopatra Jones he's in Foxy Brown he's in, I'm gonna get... who, in this movie though he's the guy who pays the bail in full in, yeah, in, in, the, yes. in the first bail court hearing. scene yeah, where, okay. where yes. she objects to the bail, which that I think was inaccurate, right? I think a lot of that was inaccurate. Yeah, I don't think you object once Yeah, I don't think you can announced. object to bail. Each party makes their, yeah. their mm -hmm. right case. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but he was also in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. He's Fly Guy. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I love Antonio Fargas, and he's completely wasted. He he does nothing in this movie. He's barely in it, and I was so angry. Um, I mean, there's one other actor in the movie who caught my eye who's in an absolute bit part, which is Vondi Curtis Hall. Okay, who is Vondi Curtis Hall? So he played the doorman at the weird nightclub that they go into. Oh, okay. And I know him because he, I mean, he's been in a ton of shit, a lot of television. Most mm-hmm. recently, um, last year, he was in a movie called The Night House, which I loved. Okay. And he plays Ben Urich in the first season of Daredevil. But this oh. guy, this guy's been in a million things and he was yeah, in a bit part, like yeah. a nameless role where he just opened the, like his face appears on a screen and he says like a, a you know, a cool line and then kind of disappears after that. Yeah, and the cop that runs the evidence room was uh, the the antagonist to Tony Sampro- Tony Soprano in season two of The Sopranos. Yeah, there's a, another guy who's been in a million things. A weird number of like character actors showing up in small roles in this bizarre James Glickenhouse. Yeah, film. and your frustration about <clears throat> Fargus not getting enough time—it's yeah. almost the case for for almost everybody, and, and it's a funny double-edged sword because almost every character feels so sharply defined in the first 10 seconds yeah. that you think that they're going to be relevant to the conclusion or at the very least to like, you know, the, 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 the hero's journey to get to the conclusion. Yeah. And almost every one of them disappears. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, oh, and one more who um, you have in your notes, than, yeah, there's, who there's is few maybe more, you, the most well-known name to like people who watched American sitcoms. Is John C. McGinley yeah, shows Dr. up Cox. for a hot minute? Yeah, John C. McGinley has like one scene where he actually talks, and the other yeah. he's just in the background. And, and then he's second chair. Yeah, it's weird. Fucking Par Bartel. Do you, do you know who that is? Who is that? He's the judge who who scoffs at the bail. That's Par okay. Bartel. Par Bartel directed Death Race Two Thousand. No way. And really? he he directed he starred and directed in Eating Raul. <gasps> I love Eating Raul. That's, that's a great that's movie. Um, we should do a podcast on that. <laughs> and he's, he has that bit part in Chopping Mall, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And uh-huh, he was in—he's the—he's the science teacher in Rock and Roll High School. He's a big—he's a big Corman guy. Yeah. And, so this—I didn't and, even recognize him. And and the the person who stops him at the metal detector—that's Shirley Stoller. That she was in the Honeymoon Killers, which is like wow. a, a, a big cult is this movie. Like, Every person and, in this movie is and, is like somebody. And the dude who is like the the doorman at like the skeezy place where the guy gets electrocuted, uh, that's Rocket's Red Glare. Who? Wow. Is, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think <laughs> that is. I don't know who that is. That's Who's comedian. That? A comedian. Rocket's Red Glare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's in a lot I of drama. Was him. He was in drama films. Uh, he's in Down by Law. Um, oh, I know. John, I know. I've seen Down by Law. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's Jim, in Boston. Yeah, yeah. You describe Glickenhaus as basically coming from money. Is that, would you say that was a fair description? I, I I don't know if he came from money, but he definitely had money. <laughs> yeah, this this feels if like he, a movie made by a guy who had effectively yeah. no oversight. Yeah, who, if he didn't have the money, he knew how to, he knew how to get it in a way where he could make. This he was on his competent own. enough to yeah. find people that were competent, right? Because the movie looks good, basically all yeah. the time. Like you pointed out, the cinematographers got a real yeah. pedigree, uh, and then he just cast a lot of people that were professional actors. Yeah, and and I don't mean that to to necessarily even be a compliment, but people that worked. You yeah, know, every person in every role in this movie, is, and and they might have had five lines in this movie or five words, but everybody yeah. in this movie is somebody who worked full time as an actor, and it kind of 
kind of see again well, i enjoyed it it comes through yeah because well, it's even, a very professional feeling experience even the actress who plays dalton's like stupid fiance that's <laughs> oh god that's blanche baker that's kale baker's daughter wow yeah and she and blanche baker kale baker was in what does he win the oscar for was he in uh oh season season um i forgot season giant yeah. She's in. So, oh, she's in a lot really? of. She's in a lot of Gallo. I've seen her yeah, in Gallo. No, she's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in. Well, she looks she's just in like of Jenkins. <laughs> she was in Andy Warhol's Bad. She she was in um a great Gallo called Orgasmo. No relation to the other <laughs> I've one. Seen, I've seen that. Is that a is that a Lindsay? I, yeah, yeah, she did some Lindsay. She did, she did four yeah. Lindsays. She did that, and I like night, I night like Lindsay a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Blanche I mean, Baker won to... an Emmy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Just to add on to the Glickenhaus, you know, having money thing. I mean, when you read his interviews about the astrologer, he was aware that it wasn't good. So, like, this was a dude who clearly was invested in learning how to make movies. So, I mean, I think, yeah, he had the money to do it. But, two, he had the passion to do it. Yeah, he he has the passion. He has the money. I think, technically speaking, he's a good director. I just mm-hmm. think he's not a very... He's not a logical writer. Yeah, maybe he, he never also figured wrote. out that he needed to write, like, get people to write a shit for him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I almost want to, like, he's, 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 it's almost like he's an outsider artist. Yeah, because like, actually, come, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. sort of what I was trying to say, I think. He's very much an auteur in his, in, of, of, of stupid action films. Mm-hmm. And, they are made in his own little bizarre world. He quit directing. He quit making movies because he didn't want to work at studios. Yeah. And, yeah, and because of CG. He hates CG. Um, yeah. Because he's, he's a stunt guy. And you can tell. Because this movie, this oh, movie has spectacular stunts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were several times during it that we were yelling, like, I think this is actually there's happening. A, there's a moment at the end that involves a Porsche. That yeah. I said, I, I, I can't believe this. It looks like, because <laughs> it really looks like they did it. I don't know yeah. how they could have not done that. Oh, but yeah. right, so so did he write Shakedown also? Yeah, he wrote Shakedown. He wrote, I think he wrote all his films of note. Uh, yeah. Let's see. yeah, he wrote, yeah, he wrote he wrote all his films. He direct he directed eight films and wrote all of them. So he so he wrote The Soldier, which which makes a lot more sense now. Um, and he wrote The Exterminator. But then by write The Exterminator, I mean he saw Death Wish and made it gross. So, you know, um, <laughs> gross, grosser, grosser. Well, well, this is, he saw Lethal Weapon. Oh, actually, you know what? R- Roger Ebert reviewed this movie and he directly compared it to 48 Hours. And I'm oh, ashamed yeah. to admit, I've, I've never seen that movie, but he said that he seems to be going for a similar sort of buddy cup, you know, uh, camaraderie that doesn't quite get to that level. But no, well, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like he sees movies and just says, I could do that. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, successful. kind of does. kind of does. This movie allegedly is based on a true story. Okay. <laughs> which, which um, uh, Alfred, have you ever heard of uh, defense attorney Lynn Stewart? I don't think so. Let me okay. put it this way. I, I, re- I read your, your, uh, your sort of 
the, the, my the document yeah. you sent out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that name first clicked in my head almost as though I did know it, but, but searching through my memory, I have no real memory of she it. She so was, I, I think, I think it's she like that Mandela. She defended one of the 9 11 bombers. Oh. Not 9 11, yeah, yeah. uh, the first world place in a bombing. She defended one of okay. them. And she ended up going to prison. She ended up going to prison for, uh, perjury or something i forgot but she but she defended this person named larry davis who in 80 and i don't know if this is the case but this is the only case i could find that was remotely similar to this larry davis was a drug dealer who said that the cops made him sell drugs and then when he tried to stop selling drugs without paying the cops um which is i think a key sticking point there um the cops got mad and tried to kill him and he shot six cops didn't kill any of them, but shot six cops, fled the scene, was on the run for 17 days, got arrested, and was found not guilty. I mean, he sounds like my hero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he was found he was found guilty for illegal gun ownership and also also the, the drugs. Um but he he claimed self-defense. He said the cops were gonna kill him. They didn't say they were cops, and the jury agreed with him, which blew my mind. <laughs> You know, it was the 80s, man. Yes. But his defense attorney was Lynn Stewart. And I'm going to read a quote from her that I'm going to use a racial slur. Not not the one. Don't worry. Um, But uh, she said this is this is her lawyer. This is his lawyer said this. I really think that the black community is no longer going to have black Sambos. They're going to have black Rambos. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. In all honesty, though. I think that in the right hands, that movie made today would be really like exhilarating. Yeah, a movie, a movie about Larry Davis. Yeah. I mean, about killing a lot of cops. He didn't kill. He didn't kill like any cops. Egg. He didn't kill any of them. He shot okay. six of them. He they all live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in which case, this guy like absolutely rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like he's a character that w- would have been played by Wesley Snipes, like some kind of mm-hmm. sharpshooter, you know, that was uh, trained by the CIA and then pushed into drug dissemination in the black community. I mean, this yeah. is like a paranoid fantasy in, in a sense, but I like that you're writing this movie. Like as we it's talk. an obvious blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. Also, can nowadays. I just mention that like Sambo is a Russian martial arts. It's actually an acronym that's that like right, but it's not translates ju- it's not directly to, it translates to um, using the body as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always wanted to train in it, but every time I mention that I want to train in it, somebody thinks I'm saying a racial slur. <laughs> because yeah. it is also that. It is also a racial slur. It is also a racial slur. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, after the podcast, I'm, 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 I have to tell you about accent or racial slurs I heard in Japan that I can't say on the air. Anyway. Oh, um, <laughs> All right. We're staying on. We're staying on. We're staying <laughs> on. And the only other thing you can find about the production of this is that like, they filmed on location, obviously, and they shut down 42nd Street. Oh, very obviously. Yes. No, I don't and, think that was 42nd, though. Yeah, Madeline said, had pretty compelling evidence oh, that they that's, actually shot in front of the Port Authority. There's a shot where you can see Port Authority in the background, and I was recognizing locations. And the Port Authority is basically the only building in New York that hasn't changed in 45 yeah, years. Yeah, so they're on <laughs> they're on 8th. I mean, okay. honestly, it's probably, it's, it's, it's 8th and 42nd, probably. In, in fact, Madeline probably specifically, precisely so identified. There is a location I identified in the movie. Do you, oh. should, do you want me to talk about it now, or do you want to wait till we kind of get there in the plot? Why don't we? Why don't we start? Was there anything else you want to talk about with the cast, or can we just jump into this 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 movie? 
No, I guess it's it's just like Put your Texas, foot on the Sam gas, Elliott, L A. Peter Weller, <laughs> and and then we are dropped into an actual gritty New York City. I will movie. say one last thing, and it almost sounds like a mean joke, but uh, at one point, <laughs> Peter Weller, Peter Weller is looking. He's like nose to nose with the ADA, and they're kind of a, uh, you know, giving each other moon eyes. And I said, these two have the exact same silhouette. <laughs> they have. <laughs> From brow to chin, they are, they, it is a, like looking at a mirror I image. I think Glickenhaus said a thing for people with like protruding chins. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say that I like me a nerdy man in a suit. I live in Tokyo. But uh, Peter Weller in this movie, I, lo- I love Peter Weller. Not, not a handsome man. <laughs> um, no, he's, he's hot. Got a big he's like really hot, but like not hot at the same time. You know, honestly, I wasn't sure I was attracted to him until he had glasses on and he was dirty and sweaty and disheveled. And that was when I was like, yeah, I'd fuck him. He has like beautiful <laughs> I didn't features. Say I wouldn't. He's like a model. Really. He's chiseled as fuck. Yeah. I like, mean, he's, honestly, he looks like an alien. He's still got that, yeah. that Robocop physique. You know, mm-hmm. this is only a year later. This is the movie made after Robocop. So, you yeah, know, I love he Robocop that Robocop too. clout and made this. So, yeah. Good choice. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, half this, who knows half, it was this half this podcast <laughs> is successful filmmaker actor follows up his his hit with uh oh. Um, <laughs> so L A Law L A Law was probably a really big deal in 1988. I I bet playing a lawyer who defended like you know some drug dealer who was accused quasi wrongly of shooting a cop. I bet it seemed like a like a socially relevant, interesting project. Well, and there and, were a uh, lot, of, a lot of big like courtroom dramas back then, like Jagged Edge, yeah. and yeah. other ones I can't remember. But Jagged Edge, I like Jagged Edge. <laughs> um, Jagged Edge. Jagged I really Edge. want to see Jagged Edge. That's like an AIDS movie, right? No. Oh, what That's am I thinking? Sure it's about ice skating. No, it's a it's the title isn't the title. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did a little. Did I just I, make it really bad. Like, did I just make things uncomfortable? No, it's fine. no, it's no. It's about um, it's about a, a guy who's accused, who's accused of murdering his wife, and it's a Joe Westerhouse film, right? Yeah, it is very Joe Westerhouse. Oh, um, why do I think that? I mean, I guess it's just like in the AIDS era. So no, it, I don't know what you're thinking of, but Jagged is, is when the band played on. The title is the title is in reference to the knife okay. at the jagged edge. Well, I'm gonna watch jagged I we, edge. I think she got that. Jeez, okay. Man. Okay. I'm gonna watch it and then I'm gonna figure out what I was thinking of. Okay, <laughs> yes, and then you can tell me about what you think of jagged edge. But let's talk about Shakedown, a movie we're gonna talk about, um, and not jagged edge, a movie that only I've seen. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we talked about the opening. Tell us more about a jagged edge. <laughs> What was, was it like seeing a jagged edge? <laughs> I apologize. Continue. I'm going to go. You guys can just talk. It's okay. No, <laughs> no, no, um, no, no. You talk. You talk. But you're the only one that's seen a jagged edge. You're the most knowledgeable person here, my friend. <laughs> By far. By far. Okay. Keep us on task. Come on. Okay. So, Madeline, you already talked about the opening. Cop gets killed by a drug dealer. Yes. And then we meet Peter Weller's character, who is I feel like he's supposed to be a bleeding heart liberal. Is he? I don't. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Well, he's in the hippie, he's he's in the hip, hippie music. You know. He oh likes my Henry. god! Yes. Oh, it's the intro where he's listening to Jim Morris. Jim Wrong. Morrison. Oh my god, that's the guy from no, Doors. No, no. Oh, wow. Oh wow. I'll edit. I'll edit. I'll edit. 
what's happening in put, the intro? Put, put in the Jeopardy wrong sound. <laughs> so I'm not going to edit that much. <laughs> Listening to Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> And oh my god, so he's listening to Jimi <laughs> Hendrix yes. and he is making the most disgusting beverage I've ever seen, which is milk, orange juice, uh, pa- oh, powdered juice. coffee, um, yeah. and one egg, and an egg, <laughs> and then blending that, it. That's my favorite 80s hero trope, like that's in Cobra. And Did they drink milk egg, no, they put like all the crap in their fridge into a blender and drink it. Yeah, it's uh, like they bizarre. visualize all of the raw ingredients. What do you need? You need protein, you need it, calcium, yeah. you need vitamin C for the scurvy, <laughs> put an egg in it, and then, you know, a little like, pick-me-up. It's like in, in the principle when he puts NutraSweet in his Coke. Uh, but, right. So, like, yeah. and then his fiance walks in and is like, turn that heavy metal off. And he's like, it's Jimi Hendrix, literally the guy I've uh, modeled my entire personality around yeah, because I've obviously. got posters of him in the back and I wear his shirts later. And uh, <laughs> this is what I drink every morning. I don't know why we don't know each other. And then she says, I'm off to Bumble and Bumble, which is a New York curly hair salon. Oh, that's I didn't been know around that. since the 70s that I've Thank always you. wanted to get my hair cut out. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying you identified with the fiance? Um, immediately. Yes, immediately. Uh, I, I, I didn't identify with anyone in this movie. Can I say, can I say something real quick? No. Uh, it's, it's almost shocking to me. <laughs> Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> almost shocking to me that they started the movie that way because it has no relationship to anything that happens afterward. No. His being like a dancing in the kitchen making a slurry of protein. Like it doesn't relate to his character at that's all. That's something that that this director saw in some yeah. other movie about yeah. some tough guy, Cobra. And then he's like, Yeah, that's how you establish that this dude's um got no time for food, but still wants to be like chiseled we got to explain the fact that peter weller's carved out of wood so we're going to give him all the nutrients you need for bones and muscle yeah and but and we're never going to see him eat again for the rest of the movie you know and, and, and I but, don't but you even, don't need it i don't even think that's supposed to introduce the concept that him is in his fiance i i guess i like her being like it's heavy metal and him being like it's Jimi hendrix like i guess that's supposed to introduce that they're not great <laughs> yeah it does it i think does, but so also, yeah yeah. Musically, we have forgotten one thing that was for when we first started this movie was huge. Is it opens with somebody doing a rap cover of Bob Dylan? It does, do and that. that somebody is about hot chili peppers. Get Are you head. for real? <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. Is that actually I'm, the Red Hot Chili Peppers? That's the Subterranean Homesick Blues, right? Yeah, Subterranean yeah. Homesick Blues. Yeah, you're right. Yes, it is. Fuck that you. is on. I, that is that is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was already bad. It's somehow worse. <laughs> yes. Oh, I wish you could see my face, James. Oh, he I can't. He's behind a, a, a privacy shield, but he doesn't look happy. <laughs> my, I, my From the eyebrows like an, up, he looks really angry. I'm like an angry Muppet right now. I can't believe that. <laughs> what Gross. a bizarre opening. It is then, a bizarre, by the way, yeah. the, the director's name appears on the screen. Director, written and directed by James uh, Glickenhaus. Glickenhaus. Yeah. 
right at the very beginning uh-huh. of the of the Jimi Hendrix song. I was like, <laughs> yeah. So he waits for the yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers to his, go he away. His finger on the editing button for for the first thirty <laughs> seconds of the movie. I, he trolled everyone else in that film. Did you watch the trailer for this? No. no. The trailer is set to set to that is set to Purple Haze by Hendrix. Oh sure. Wow. He, he obviously bought the rights to use it. It's a fantastic trailer. And yeah. I used to, used to check it out. It uses the roller coaster scene a lot. Um, because why <laughs> wouldn't you? I, okay, so here's my first legal question. Oh, no. So okay. he's quitting. He, he, so he's a public defender. And he is quitting being a public defender to, to work to be like a Wall, a Wall Street lawyer or something. Um, yeah. He has a week left on the job. Right. W- would he get a new case? For sure. He probably he would probably get fifty new cases. Okay. Oh. Okay. Because really? he's just going to dump it all on the next guy. It doesn't even matter. See, I thought this question okay. was going to wind up being for me because I actually work on Wall Street. Oh. Okay. And like we have legal departments, and those legal departments are really well paid, and all they kind of do is make sure that like when people are getting money, they're doing a good job. You know. <laughs> it's right. Good work. Yeah. Well, get I'm going to distinguish between being a. Uh, he's not a public defender specifically. He's no. legal aid, but oh, I'm sorry. The distinction. Well, it doesn't matter. It's I mean, it's a distinction without a difference. But the uh, okay. <laughs> the fact is, these people are uh, um, almost anonymous. Not to be, not to sound like we're. I am. I'll just admit, I work for the office of the public defender in New Jersey, and I'm in a very specific division. There's only about eight of us that do what I do. But even us, you know, if somebody's set to leave in a week and we get a new client, you know, they, they don't. They don't, uh, I guess, overload somebody who's sticking around so that the person who's leaving doesn't have to make introductions. Like the cases go on. In okay. fact, if I had to, if I had to make a complaint about almost every movie about court proceedings, it's that it seems like court from arrest to uh, judgment occurs in the space of about fifty hours. Well, and yeah. Frankly, most of these cases last years, yeah, you know, or that- at least at least months. And so, yeah, of course, the guy in his last week on the job would be assigned the case because every case that he's currently operating or working would simply be handed over. He's he's probably got fifty Manila folders, mm-hmm. you know, those big fat folders, and they the person who takes his office is simply going to take all of them. And so he wouldn't not be assigned a case. Well, what's funny to what, me about that specifically is I think that was an accident that they got it right because awesome. I think he was going off the, you know, I'm retiring tomorrow cop right. trope. Yeah, I was <laughs> yes. going to say the thing, yeah. that, the thing that wouldn't make a ton of sense is that the trial would occur that, in the week yeah, that it was assigned to him. Yes, that, and that yes. goes to my previous complaint. Yeah. yeah. You know, but that, that's movies. You know, you can, you gotta you gotta speed it He'd up. Probably a bit. sit there waiting for his first bail hearing, which we didn't get to see in his case. Yes, for, you yes. know, six weeks. So he'd be our our protagonist would be gone by the time that anything happened. The protagonist goes to see the drug dealer who's in jail, not prison, jail, and there's the cop handing out condoms. Right. <laughs> and now I don't want to. Okay, I'm not. I'm not Wait, making. The people in jail. Yeah. So, yep, so to, I want. So, see, totally, my brain just like glazed right over there. I so did I'm not, not even. I don't want to make light of sexual assault in prison. Okay, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. But but I that is clearly <laughs> the, the movie is the movie is definitely and the movie and that is clearly a holding cell. Like that is in the office. <laughs> like yeah, there are cops Although, across the hall from him. I think they so, implied that it was Rikers Island. Okay. 
But yeah, because he says yeah. he doesn't want to go back to Rikers. I'm not sure how Wall Street's silk is going to look in Rikers or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that whole scene, too, is just like the cops is handing out condoms, food and condoms to the uh, inmates is just... Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely does play it for laughs, but I bet that, yeah. there, I bet that there is a lot of sexual assault right, right up front, frankly. Mm-hmm. They turn the lights out at some point, I think. Yeah. Jesus, I man. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I can tell you about sexual assault. Uh, please, let's not. Let's keep, let, I don't want you to. Let's <laughs> keep this light. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. From third hand. I can tell you about a third hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's good. That's Moving on. I'm um, sure that's much better. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> then we meet Sam Elliott's character, Richard Marks. Okay. And here we go. Yeah. Um, so when we meet him, Alfred, he's snoozing in a movie. What right? is, what is he watching? I think it's the soldier. It yeah. is the soldier. And it, he's Herrick falling asleep to it. Yeah. I know. Isn't that, is, wild? that is that, 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 that scene he's in this, that scene he's seeing in the soldier, the ski shootout is a, the best scene in the movie. Well, no, the best scene in the movie is a fight is another fight, but B that scene has Klaus Kinski in it. Who has one line. Oh it's, shit! It, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Looking House um, loves movies, inc- and he loves movie stars. Yeah, yeah, this is incredibly self-aware, though. That like, yeah. not only did he know to use the best scene with Klaus Kinski, <laughs> he knew to make someone falling asleep to it. Yeah, and, an empty theater, and, yeah. and an empty theater, and all the posters in the theater are for the soldier or for the exterminator. Yeah, which and then also that's is, what the which yeah. it owned. says on the on the mat, on the matinee. What do you call yeah. it? The the, the marquee, the marquee, the marquee. Oh, thank sorry, you. Sorry, yeah. The no And you get to see, like, it's. <laughs> I love them walking around that area and you get to see all those old theaters that are gone now. I imagine. So this yeah. is the point at which I had to pause it because I was freaking out. She sprung so, from her chair. So they walk oh, no. out of that theater and mm-hmm. they walk to a hot dog stand. And behind Peter Weller, you can clearly see out of focus Port Authority. Okay. And I'm looking at the location, and it seemed like a pretty smooth shot. Mm-hmm. I am almost certain that they walked out of somewhere that I know as Times Scare. Okay. So, so Times Scare has gone out of business, um, I, I think, a little earlier than the pandemic. It wasn't a pandemic victim. It was a victim of the Times. Okay. Um, Times Scare was a tourist trap haunted house. Oh, my. Uh, a few blocks south of Port Authority, so right off of Times Square. Um, and it really was just a shitty haunted house that it cost $30 to go into, and you would walk through it. But then they also had a bar, and I would hang out at that bar because it was always empty and it was always cheap, and it was called Times Scare. Um, <laughs> like a, a couple, you know, like horror events would do screenings in the bar. Like, like I, you know, it wasn't a cool spot, but it was very funny that there was a haunted house called Times Scare in Times Square. Um, and then it went out of business. So I'm like, I think they just walked out of Times Scare. So I immediately went to Google, grabbed the uh, dress um, of the location that was Times Scare and looked it up. And it turns out that I was right. Wow, good for you. <laughs> that time scare was a, the article I found was called The McDonald's of Porn. <laughs> and was about how I'm loving this, it. This, this location was like a huge porn theater that sold like porn movies up front and, and 
you know, uh, basically was just like one of the big porno locations in Times Square. I mean, off of Times Square, but, but yeah. And, and I just thought that was the funniest thing, but it was just really cool seeing the stretch of New York that I, that is shit now. It's, it's just totally uninteresting. There yeah. was a stupid haunted house today with a would, cheap bar. Today would be the M&M store. Yeah. Now there's nothing there. Yeah. I think it's like a fucking smash burger now. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I was just very excited seeing actual New York. I'm like jealous. they weren't faking it. It was real New York. The only two movies I've seen that I've been at the been at the locations. Well, three. I've been to the the, the hotel in True Lies where he gets on the, in the elevator. Um, That's cool. I've Isn't been, that the is that the, um, the famous hotel? I forgot the name of it. Yeah. Is that the the Soho Hotel where no, it's a Hilton? Uh, it's a Hilton. It's like it's a it's chain. A Hilton. It's a chain. Oh, okay. I was wondering um, if that was the one where Sid Vicious OD. No, 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 yeah. no. This is this is in L.A. and. Okay. I was oh, at no. the place. I was thinking in, of New York. So it was in the court, the courtyard where Tom Sizemore is killed in heat. And oh, that's cool. And I lived in Pittsburgh, so I know like every location for Zach and Mary make a porno. <laughs> <laughs> and Dawn of the Dead, and Dawn of the Dead, which is a cooler story. Oh, of course, but the mall. Yes, yeah, the mall. Yes, I lived. I lived two miles from that mall. Um, I mean, I think just being in New York, mm-hmm. I wind up seeing a lot of places that I know in movies. Yeah. Right. Like even in the most recent Spider-Man movie, I was like, "That's Queens." I've like I know that intersection. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Every I, time I I've see King been, Kong, I'm, I've been there. I've been there. I've been to the Empire State Building. I know yeah. this King Kong movie. Yeah. I've been. You on know, a tall boat. people. <laughs> um. Anyway, I was in Central Park. <laughs> we, we haven't mentioned that. Um, Sam Elliott's character is a cop who is like a <laughs> who's a good cop that Dalton trusts. Yes. Yes, and he's going there to get info about bad cops, which oh, he then uses to break in. in. Go ahead. Right now, I got because otherwise it'll just eat at me. It's not clear to me at any point that he is doing anything. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's just kind of a weird country dirtbag who's also a, a cop. Who's honestly. also a cop. Yes. <laughs> so he gets yes. to go into the policeman's like locker room, but at no, and I guess he participates in one sting. But at no time, apart from that one sting, does he oh, do that anything sting. officially? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm like, now that I'm thinking back on the movie that I just watched, I'm like, yeah, he is a cop, but he behaves like a vigilante. But he mostly <laughs> drinks and goes fishing and kills people <laughs> and dogs and dogs to kill a dog. Oh yeah, um, he tells a great story oh, yeah. about killing a yeah. cat. And honestly, when he said that, I wasn't sure if he said dog yeah, or she, like it was done. No, he it. said I killed, I killed, I killed her dog. <laughs> I'm going to put in that whole clip right now. Yeah, so please. People can do hear it. it. People can hear that story. The love of your life. Yeah. I'm not the love of my life. Only I killed her dog before I had a chance to tell her. And she was everything I ever wanted. We met at Shakespeare in the park. Around the lawyer. The line seemed to work for you. Rain like hell that day. I had an umbrella. We went back to her apartment. She went to the bathroom. I sat on the couch. She had this great big damn dog. The dog had a ball. I threw it. Dog brought it back. I threw it again, harder, 
never forget the sound of that dog's paws on the newly waxed floors. How was I supposed to know she left the window open? A dog fell 13 stories, landed on top of a parked car. I went over, leaned out the window, looked down, threw up, and left. Left. Without ever telling her she was the one. Happy is the fleeting hope of youth. That story is one of the. That story is batshit. <laughs> bizarre um she, she was the one i think i screamed what at the end of it i was like what i, oh, I have a, so what? I, I have another legal question yeah so you said that the these legal aid people they have like a million cases at once right yeah but more or less yes. yeah so do they have so time do, so do the da's by the way yeah yeah do, so do they have time to illegally break into someone's house and search for um sports cars Oh yeah. Oh man. We got all kinds of time. Am I sitting on a podcast right now? I could be, I could be stealthily sneaking into my neighbor's garage to look for evidence of wrongdoing. So he, he, he hears, so here's why, here's why I have a lot of questions and I'm sorry, Alfred, if it's, if it's stupid questions, I apologize. No, I appreciate, I appreciate the questions. So, so he's legal aid. He presents himself as being in, he goes to the, the, the dead, the, the widow of the dead cop and he presents himself as being a prosecutor right is that illegal yeah i probably i don't know if okay. it's illegal but it's certainly unethical it's fucked and up. frankly and could frankly, you get disbarred i don't know that you'd get disbarred for okay. talking to the widow of a victim but i don't know why you'd do it no you, for talking to the widow you, of a victim and then lying about who you were well yeah. I, I don't know you're not it's it's not illegal to lie it's not it's but it but it certainly is unusual i mean frankly what he'd want to do if he legally had legally had the budget was send an investigator yeah, and, you know, but but he is doing undercover investigation, and I mean, I did laugh at that. I think yes. in the movie, well, yeah. while watching the movie, I said, nah. <laughs> "Lawyers <laughs> he's, he's don't go. Lawyers don't yeah. conduct investigation. Lawyers mostly, you know, c- c- talk to their clients and talk to other attorneys. So, you know, we're we're predominantly doing writing, research, and and uh, listening. You know, so that that's the job mo- and, more or less. And on the off chance you would do an investigation, you probably do it legally. Well, yeah, sure. Again, I don't know that anything he did was. Well, I guess he. I guess when he broke into the person's he private broke property, into the person's he be, house. He became, you know what? For that, he would be disbarred. Yes, Almost yes, certainly. Yeah. Breaking also, entering would get him disbarred. Also, the 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 wife has like a moment with the cop who runs the the evidence room. It feels like they're well, she's having on it. They like yeah. I, I but it was just really weird because they had that moment. I'm like, are they having an affair? Yeah. And then she was never in the movie again. Yes, yeah, I, we're done with that. I, I have so many questions about that because like we, he breaks into the he breaks into the garage sees that sports car and then boom it's evidence well, like what is he- in, in fact what's fascinating about the movie in a sense oh, yes. to me and I guess to you is that in that scene he he kind of uncovers circumstantial evidence that this guy's got more money than he ought to but I think the point you're getting to is that he couldn't meaningfully present that evidence in a court of law because there's no reason that he would have it yeah that's it's fruit of the fruit of the poisonous tree yeah and then later in the movie a judge comes out and says all this effectively about a tape when he tries to present this his recollection of what he heard on a tape i mean honestly the porsche stuff is almost for the viewer or more than it is for any character what blows my mind is that sam elliott didn't do it why didn't they just let the character that's a policeman go and do that part yeah, it doesn't make any because, sense to because me. Because in 1988, Sam Elliott was not famous, and Peter Weller was. 
I guess. I guess they send <laughs> RoboCop to do the. At this point, yeah. Sam Elliott's biggest role was in Mask. With yeah, um, with Cher. Actually, in Roger Ebert's review, he refers to Sam yes. Elliott as Cher's husband in Mask. And he was so, also uh, in that, Fatal Beauty. Fatal Beauty. A few, Fatal Beauty will be on this podcast. That is the Whoopi Goldberg cop movie. Oh, I want to watch that. It's great. It's terrible. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> It makes almost less sense than this movie, but so almost it's it, well, hmm, it's close. It has you branded know, drugs anyway. You keep uh, saying this movie doesn't make sense. It has like a dream logic to yeah. it. I feel like it gets from beginning <laughs> to end, and at the end, I kind of understand what what you know what we just saw in a positive way. Though I mean, I, I feel it. like up until the last five minutes, I understood <laughs> kind of what was going on, and then it just really. I'll, I'll, I mean, all of Sam Elliott's stuff has no. It almost could have existed without Sam Elliott's character. Yeah, I think if we cut him out, the movie would make more sense. I, I it would theory, be I have a theory. and make more sense. I have a theory. Sam Elliott's character doesn't exist, and it's all a figment <laughs> of um, Peter Weller's imagination. What do you think so, happens to the so plane? Wait, also, I gotta ask. Like, <laughs> you don't want to know. Do you think he's riffing on the verdict? It's the possible. Ver- what, what's yeah, the, it, what do you mean the verdict? The verdict is um, it's 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 uh, Sydney Lumiere. Okay, Lumiere. Actually, Lumet, just Lumiere. Sydney, Lumet. Sydney, Sydney, Sydney Lumiere. Sydney, Sydney, Sydney Lumiere. God Brevin. damn it! I feel like the wine is taking over here. Okay, <laughs> so the verdict is from 1982. It's Sydney Lumet. It was written by David Mamet. Yeah. It is a um, it's Paul Newman as no an spoilers. ambulance chaser. I've not chaser. seen this movie. I'm not giving you spoilers. Don't worry. I've been telling you to watch this movie for like a decade. I get such a kick out of yeah. asking someone not to spoil a movie that is 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, don't but spoil I, this movie. I really think that that's kind of who they're trying to <clears throat> sure. base and the Peter Weller character There's also a movie called Justice on. for All with yeah. Al Pacino. Oh God, there's that movie. A, there, yeah. There's this run of movies in the 80s about how the court system is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I yeah. love the verdict. And I kept, okay. I kept thinking about it, I but hate thinking Injustice it, for All. Oh, I think yeah? that, I see, actually, James, I think Injustice for All is a more offensive movie about the practice of, of, of uh, criminal law. What movie I, does the, does a, you can't handle the truth come that's from? That's A Few Good that's, Men. That's oh, A Few okay. Good Men. That's a good movie. That's I don't a pretty know how. good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna go past that. That's a great what movie. About, what about I, I actually, what about I'm out of order? I, You're out of order. That's that's the one I just said I hate. Oh, okay. That's uh, Justice yeah. for All. Justice okay. for All. Alfred, you are not the first lawyer I've heard who hated that movie. It's a well, I mean, he'd be disbarred. At the the last scene of that movie is him throwing his whole career away. It, it's a drag. <laughs> that movie sucks. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. That movie sucks. Um back to a good movie, this movie. Um This movie. This I movie. Like, my favorite scene, well, other than the end, well, no, there's a lot of good scenes. My first favorite scene <laughs> is the chic, the chic crack house. The are you there? Yeah, we're here. Yeah, the the uh, just blew our minds. The, <laughs> totally blew our minds. I think actually, I think both of us heard the word sheet, and you said chic. Chic, 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 chic. Oh, uh, but you mean you mean chic like fancy, and that's where Vondi Chris Hall. Because I heard chic S H I N K. Oh, I see. Like the Arabian style. And that's why I got confused. As in Nile Rodgers. I just I just needed two seconds to to let my brain. Like we both were just frozen for a second. Like chic. Is James racist? What happened? No. Um, the, yes, anyway, but the chic crack the house. Up, yes. The up, the up class crack house. Mm-hmm. Where at one the point, fancy carpeted 80s club. Yes, where Crunchy. people are watching snuff films. Like yeah. The, yeah, and and doing and it's a bunch of rich white people doing crack. Mm-hmm. And 
there's the one girl who wants more crack and has no money, so you know where yeah. that goes. It's it's lightning, or as you white people like to call it, crack. Yeah, yeah. that plays into the white panic of the 80s. Yeah. The only time I've ever heard cocaine referred to as lightning is in the Def Leppard song, White Lightning. Um, and I don't think Def that's... Def Leppard rips. That's cool. Well, hey, don't get me... I saw them live. They're great. Um, yeah. yeah. Happy, to, happy to hear that we're on the same page about oh. Def Leppard. Damn straight. And anyway. cocaine. And cocaine. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of which, anyway, um, this is a stupid episode. Uh, <laughs> oh, this, this is going to do the best numbers you've yeah. ever Oh, yeah. Your best. <laughs> yes. James, I've never listened to your podcast, but this is your best episode yet. I hope that you cut out all of our audio. If you cut out everything I said, I think you'd have a real interesting work on your hands. Aww. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe leave my awful laugh. I'm sorry, James's mom. Yeah. <laughs> I just say that every day. It's okay. Um. <laughs> Anyway, but right, so the crack house, yeah, the crack house is great, and that's when we meet NC, who's the Antonio Fargus in a wasted role, yeah, and mm-hmm. the bad cops with the bad mullet. Uh, that is the worst hey, mullet. Yeah, I called him Peter Scars Sarsgard, like but, version but zero, beta. Yeah, yeah he, he was beta Sarsgard, alpha test. <laughs> like yeah. he looked like an unfinished version of yeah. Peter Sarsgard. They, they needed more or less clay. I'm not sure which. <laughs> he was. He wasn't ready. But that's Put when, him back in. <laughs> that's when they get to the first scene that my mom said, this is so stupid, when I saw this movie in 1988, which is the bail scene. Because they, yes. they, oh, they arrest... They, I, I, they was, arre- go I ahead. was sure it was going to be when he pulled two hand grenades out of the trunk of that guy's car. <laughs> <laughs> two bright yellow hands. They're like, all right, grab they the were, piece. Were they white? Were those hand grenades? They were yellow. Like, they were yellow. Oh my god! Grab the piece you need for the mission. He's like, I'm gonna, I am only going to take two hand grenades. <laughs> Fashion grenades. Watching that happen, I was like, this dude thinks the mission will be accomplished with two hand grenades <laughs> and only two hand grenades. <laughs> yeah, they forgot about the two hand grenades. No, but Holy the bail. So, okay, again, Alfred, I'm sorry to throw the legal questions at you. This is not how bail works. That's not the question. <laughs> well, like, well, they do take the money if you have it. I it mean, was, it, I mean, I will say it was odd that she objected to the bail. I don't think that happens. Right? I know. So the, you, in your notes, the, in the notes that you gave to me, you said he gives the judge cash directly. That's not exactly what happens. But in it the does movie. appear no. like that's what he's he doing. He shows the judge of, his cash. It's and the and the fact that the cash is like rolled bills that have been smoothed <laughs> out. I'm like, wow, what a. I mean, it is a brazen choice. But I mean, somebody in that courthouse accepts the money. Bail bondsmen bring cash, I think. I guess I could be wrong. I, you know, I've never really worked with a bail I gotta, operation. I got to say, though, like, do you think if a judge set bail and first off, the DA was like, I object. And then the guy who needed to pay the bail opened a suitcase full of rolled right. up bills the and con- said, I'm confirmed her it. objection. Do you, also, would the judge increase the cost of said bail? It's possible, actually. That's also, a possibility. Also, don't they just, don't, I, I, you know, morality and legality aside, don't the cops just confiscate drug money? 
Uh, well, you'd have to prove that it was ill-gotten. At this but, point, he's still presumed innocent. But in but in, in a raid, they would confiscate all everything there. I would imagine. Well, yeah, but it's my, yeah. su- my suspicion is that money was not there. He got oh, arrested point. with Fair it point. in his hand. And he took Fair it. Point. Yeah. 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 It I mean, the, like. I, I, if there is a central theme to the movie, and there really isn't one, <laughs> it's that the cops, uh, the cops, when faced with the decision to either turn over one million dollars in untraceable cash or not, it's like a a no-brainer to They're not gonna do. They're going to pocket it. it. Yeah. It's, it's this yeah. is actually like the galvanizing decision in the, the movie American Gangster. Like oh, okay. no policeman could possibly walk into the precinct with $800,000 in cash and turn it in because that means that you're going to turn us all in. You know, <laughs> you yeah. there, you know it's an interesting. So my suspicion is that he had money in other uh, uh, vaults or whatever, you know. Or his well, lawyer had that but, suitcase. But speaking practically, what yeah. he'd do in a scenario where he got a million dollars bail is he'd have a guy go across the street to the bail bondsman where he'd put 20% down. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen Jackie Brown. That's exactly right. Yeah, good. So it, it would be financially, you know, sort of irresponsible to actually front the whole thing. He'd probably yeah. do a twenty percent buyout and then split, or or pay off the. I mean, like in a cynical universe where everybody everybody is corrupt, he'd just pay the twenty percent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So okay. So you, I keep bringing up these things, and you're always like, "Well, actually, well, actually," which is surprising me. Okay. Can legal aid fuck the DA? Well, actually. Well, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's probably frowned upon. And in a scenario like that, you probably want one of the two parties in a perfect world to say we have a bit of a, a personal interest. There's a but, conflict of interest. But, but not yeah. really. They're yeah. adversaries. Unless unless one of them was so, you know, love struck that they, they believed that they could not meaningfully represent or advocate for their client. It's not, it's not clinically speaking, a, you know, I don't think it's against the rules frankly yeah. and by like, that i mean you don't the rules have to report court. it to hr yeah frankly there, there's just, there are plenty <laughs> yeah. of plenty of lawyers married to lawyers and i don't think they're prohibited from being adversaries it would be more of a problem if one of the uh, if the judge was interested in either of the lawyer okay. because that would actually present a cut where you might you might have a difficult time demonstrating an objectivity so, but those two parties don't have to be objective so this is okay but night court's bad well, again, I don't think I said that court's bad. No, but no, but no from, a, from a legal standpoint, because Harry, wa- Harry wants to get with Christine. Oh, for, yeah, actually, from that perspective, that court's pretty bad. <laughs> and, and frankly, it, Harry might not be a very good judge. Yeah. Oh, no. Don't. I'm, no, uh, I'm sad. I'm rewatching yeah, Night Court the, right now. It's great. Oh, he, right. Oh, so the thing. I love the thing. I love, I love Night Court. I'm, I'm so happy that you're talking about Night Court. It just puts me in a good mood. I don't have anything else to say about it. Thanks for putting, <laughs> it in the, in the, putting that on my front burner for a little while. So the thing we're, we're discussing now is mm-hmm. that um, when they get to trial, which happens one day after uh, all, <laughs> all everything else, um, the so Peter Weller's uh, lawyer character and the DA, who is representing the city of New York and the cops, uh, wind up having sex almost immediately <laughs> after the trial. Because they're exes, they're exes. Because yeah, they're exes, yeah. And he's like, I loved you better than anyone else would ever in your entire <laughs> life. And she's like, I miss you. Uh, and he's like, you left me. And she's like, I regret it. And then they're fucking a moment later. He's practically reciting the lyrics to Kisses, I was made for loving you. Like, <laughs> yeah, look, lady, like- I was made for loving you and you were made for loving me. <laughs> 
But like what threw us mm-hmm. is her apartment. Oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> because immediately we were like, leave your fiance for that lady's apartment. Yes. She is a, she has an apartment um, on the the outskirts of Central Park with a beautiful view beautiful over the view. park. An amazing view. It, it's definitely a penthouse over Central Park. Yeah, Unbelievable. In, in the movie, it seems like they're trying to set up a love triangle where, where he was, for some reason, involved with a person who didn't really understand him, and wanted to change him, and had money. Yeah. And then his ex, who was like a animally, animalistically excited by him. Mm-hmm. But Unreasonably excited to, by him. Also seemed to have a ton of fucking money. Yeah. And the <laughs> most beautiful apartment I've ever and seen. And I'm not in saying that any person should choose the rich girl who's trying to change you over the person you're actually interested in. But for the purposes but if of they're a both mo- rich. For the purposes of a movie, one of those is usually a characteristic that it, you know, like is is contemplated. Like there as should a, be a negative. Yeah, it, like reminds, there, it, it reminds me. My my friend one time asked me like, if a sugar daddy is an older guy who has money, what do you call a younger guy who has money? And I said a keeper. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. Oh my god! And there's a moment where they're talking on her balcony over oh, Central Park. That argument. Oh, you're about to talk you, about the wind. And chimes? you see, there's a wind chime hanging next to her head, um, which it's, is just a fascinating. It was like an almost like like Alexander Calder sculpture. It looks style. like a bunch of Saturn. Yeah, in and like we're we are staring at the scene where it's. The two main characters having an emotional conversation and a wind chime is basically taking up a third of the screen. Within half a second of the shots starting, I said, why is that wind chime there? And neither <laughs> of us could take our eyes off it. I'm like, they were talking. I didn't look at any of their faces. I was only, staring at that wind chime. If you only played chime. that frame, that, that secret, like as a GIF without any subtitles, nobody would ever look at her face. Nope. It, the wind chime is the main character it's of the, the movie in this context. Yeah. So, so right, then, her apartment's so, beautiful. So then you missed, so you missed it when he called her fighting, her, she, her complaining about his fiance, he called that territorial doo-wop. Oh, I did hear that. And, <laughs> and then he said he, he was trying to quote, manifest destiny of relationship. And that's oh, not geez. what that, that's not what, yep. that's, that's not what that means. I'll confess to not understanding any of it. I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> their, that dialogue, means. their dialogue didn't sound Manifest good. Manifest destiny, not a good thing. This dialogue <laughs> is not Glickenhaus's strong point. His strong point is the accent. And we haven't mentioned those accent sequences. Yeah. Um, I mean, quite honestly, I can't even remember the circumstance that puts them on the cyclone. I can. <laughs> For reasons well, that are not explained, yes. Sam Elliott is night fishing. <laughs> On Coney Island, on, Coney, on the shores of Coney Island. Quite, Coney Island's really fucking far away from everything else happening in this movie. Yeah, like, I've seen the Warriors. I, I know a that. A lot of New York. <laughs> yeah, the Warriors is the only movie that is accurately representing how difficult it is to get to Coney Island, which <laughs> you gotta, is, is you very odd. Gangs and baseball the, players. Yeah, and you're on the F train for 90 minutes. You're a whole different group of people by the time you get there. <laughs> yeah, like Coney Island is inconvenient. Yeah. Okay. And so, Sam Elliott night fishing on Coney Island is approached by a guy who flashes a knife at him. Who looks like, like hair on top with, with, black, with black hair. I know. The, yep. wind, the wind blows in his face and his hair goes absolutely crazy. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, they could have done it when there was no wind. It would have been, it would have been cool. You could have waited, second second. waited 30 seconds, dude. Click in the house. What are no, you doing? fuck that. Yeah. And so he's flashing this knife. And Sam Elliott's like, mm-hmm. 
Not to get into a knife fight. And then some other guy like attempts to jump him, I guess, without a knife, which <laughs> poor planning on that guy's part because he's immediately he's immediately zip tied to the railing. <laughs> yeah, I for some reason Sam Elliott has zip ties in his pocket. Listen, if you're gonna plan a two against one, give the guy coming from behind the knife. If you're gonna go to Coney Island, you better have some zip ties yeah. in your pocket. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe in the 80s people went fishing with zip ties. I'm trying know. to understand how it could have been justified to have them. Yeah, it really But was. right. So one guy gets zip tied to the railing. And Sam Elliott yells, don't run away. And he got, but you know what he does? He runs away. He runs away. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and like any criminal would do, he gets on a roller coaster. <laughs> he gets on the fucking cyclone. You can't catch me, man. I'm going to get away on the roller coaster. You know, I didn't think about aware, that. I didn't think about that. He's not aware that the roller coaster only comes back to where it starts from. <laughs> I'm gonna say like that's the real cyclone, right? Yeah, it looked like it. Yeah, that's the like, cyclone. I would be surprised no... if they really destroyed a, you know, like a railroad car. It was, and and also not only is it the real cyclone, is I don't think they're using stunt doubles. They so are for a few scenes, but yeah, yeah, no, scenes, no, but, but Madeline... like, for the most part, we're seeing Sam Elliott standing on the cyclone as it goes up. Oh yeah, and they killed that guy. They killed that man. <laughs> yeah. They actually ripped the brakes out of the cyclone. He had to sign a waiver. Also, I to don't die think about dying. That's I why. don't think that's you know legal accuracies. Whatever, you know. I don't think Lickenhouse understands how roller coasters work. <laughs> because no, because well, isn't it once they get to the top well, and they they just go right? Actually, yeah, actually, pretty much. Kind of maybe did because uh, Ebert also made a joke about how tearing out the power supply in a roller coaster wouldn't cause it to like shoot off the edge no it would but in fact what i think he pulled was the power to the brakes okay so um, the roller coaster was just free rolling to stop and in fact roller coasters do pepper the brakes to prevent from tilting off the track so okay. that actually is and now God i'm not a, i'm not a i'm not an engineer i've seen final destination three <laughs> at least 10 times <laughs> but, i'm not but, surprised but see, the cyclone <laughs> the cyclone i think is one of those old trains that just yeah. rested on top of rails yeah. And so it didn't have it didn't have garters that, that looped around underneath. I mean, that's why I was shocked they were actually doing it because yeah. I am aware that if a roller coaster goes all the way up, it's coming all the way down. And so well, the fact that they were shooting, <laughs> they were shooting that. I, that's what I'm saying. This is the, my knowledge. The euphemism. You know, if it comes up, it's going down. What baby. goes up must come down, mm-hmm. be it gravity or a dick. Um, so. <laughs> Well, now see, gravity doesn't come down. <laughs> no, gravity doesn't to, go I up. I hate to parse. Yeah, I hate to parse the uh, the language. I'm here. trying real hard here, man. I'm not an expert on anything. You're going up right neither now, was, Madeline. Neither You're still was, going neither up. Neither was looking house. Neither was looking house. But either way, I was shocked by the the amount they filmed on that roller coaster. It looked great. It looked and that's it, a because fantastic, it was real. That's a fantastic action yeah. sequence. The one at the at that weird like SM crack house orgy den, which is an amazing I want to go there. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> that that when he flies out of that window and holds a, the like the light pole. Yeah, why the hell didn't he take the stairs? But it, this is cooler. It um, did look cool. Frankly, the other guys kind of kind of takes off on that. Have yeah. you ever seen the other guys? Uh yes. No, that's what we were saying. Yeah, they oh, chase the, the other guys of, with like Will Pharrell? Yeah, but at the very <gasps> beginning it's the Rock and Sam Jackson and they chase a guy and uh, they decide to jump off the roof of a building to catch him rather than take the stairs down. And, and they the die? rock's just like, just aim for the bushes. <laughs> and, the, and the next, like, it cuts to their funeral. <laughs> That's funny. I, so this is a movie that really, like, enjoys 
those old those old uh, yeah. ideas. Yeah. And and th- that's one of the scenes where you can clearly see Peter Weller stunt double on the motorcycle right before oh, yeah. the right before the cop car goes over the edge. Also, that hitman's amazing. That yeah, who, who has like with the, the the daggers flying out of his hands, yeah, and, from out of nowhere, and an Uzi like attached to his chest, like he's fucking yeah, sex like, machine from fucking oh my dust god, dawn. oh a lot god, of, a lot of taxi driver inspiration there. I think I yeah. joked that yeah, I joked that Robert Rodriguez probably inspired this. Yes, this probably inspired Robert Rodriguez. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a he's great. Got all that little mechanical uh, gun production. He's got that I think in every movie. I've not seen El Mariachi. Desperado no, they have that sure. in El Mariachi as well. Uh, it's a little simpler because he was working on very little money, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We kind of got. I want to speed up a little bit because we can't go through everything. Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. We've already gone <laughs> almost at ninety minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm having a ball. Go on. Yeah. Yeah, you brought me an Alfred on. We're we're gonna fuck your podcast. <laughs> no, it's, you're fucking it up in the best way possible. Uh, we're gonna pod the fuck out of this guy. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're podding it. Podding it. Put the straight in the pod. We're podding it right to hell. <laughs> I want to talk about. I want to skip ahead to when. So, a cop approaches Dalton and says that, that the tape is playing. For some reason, the drug dealer recorded on his boombox the conversation. Now, if you hit first of all, if you hit record and play in a boombox, you're not going to get a microphone. Well, listen, I'm not a. I, I never had a ghetto blaster. I can't speak to that. Got, that's yeah. a whole other thing. If you hit record and play, you're going to record from the radio to the tape. <laughs> not yeah, right. Yeah, not from a microphone. Yeah, good point. No, if you just good hit the point. record button, it's going to pick up the sound if it's got a built-in microphone, right? If but it had, they a usually don't. They usually have. Yeah gonna record the radio or whatever so i, mean, but, I will say no, like yeah, really, i'm gonna i hadn't even thought yeah. of that but you're uh, well i'm gonna right. admit now like when i was younger and i had a boombox um and i started playing my ukulele and making music i would record directly onto that boombox. okay well my but, boombox my but i also yeah would make tapes but from but, of your own voice no of cds and stuff yeah well my boombox that i'm staring at right now which is a boombox record player because I'm yeah. an idiot, and that thing costs two hundred dollars broken, and I haven't fixed it yet. Um, oh, that sounds cool. It, it's, it looks dope. Um, yeah. <laughs> it uh, does not have a microphone, but anyway, he's recording the conversation, and the cop tells him the conversation in, in the conversation is in the evidence locker. He gets a court order to go to the evidence locker, and the cops break the key. Now I'm guessing yeah. that's illegal. For sure. Oh yeah. yeah, that dude is doing That's a bad. Obstruction of justice. Yeah. There's a, there's a legal term called, sp- and I'm doing for a 15 bad. Fifteen years. This word throws me every time I read it. It's, it looks like spoliation, but I think it's spoliation. Spoliation. But, you, but yeah. if if once a judge tells you you got to produce evidence or at least preserve evidence, you can't rush to destroy it. <laughs> yeah, I used to work. That's, that's against the rules. I, I yeah. used to work for on one of those organizations that investigates claims of wrongful conviction, and yeah. and I, I remember that word. Yes. Um, yeah, I know. So, just breaking the key would be an. You know, they could end up in contempt of court for that. Yeah. Although I guess theoretically they, they could argue that it's you know, I mean we saw him break the key, but yeah. nobody else did. So they could make the argument that you know it's just broken bad luck. But once they set it on fire and attempt to kill the public defender, I'd say they're really <laughs> operating against the terms of that court order. I'm going to yeah. say once once the people who are associated with the person your client may have murdered try to kill you, that's a conflict of interest. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, at that point, I was honestly blown away by the bravura. They're like, they're going to interrogate this guy. They're going to they're gonna like rendition the, the, the legal aid guy 
and then shoot him. Like just no one to murder style, him, handcuffed <laughs> to a chair in, in the police station, the police department, <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the police station. I'm like, whoa, this really pushes. This These is like guys something- do- also one of them is like, I don't have a clean gun. So does that mean he just has like unmarked weapons, like lo- dirty listen, weapons? We're going to talk a little bit about this. That guy was terrified. Nobody, nobody could believe he was actually going to do the Russian roulette trick. It, yeah. Like, what are you doing? And then he did it. And then he's like, "Now I insist that you just execute him." And they're like, "Oh no!" But I guess I have to. <laughs> and then, yeah. and by the way, that guy's just going to go leave on a jet with with the drug kingpin for no yeah, reason. I'm also, so, I'm yeah, so, I'm, I'm so delighted by like, what's their plan? Where's yeah, that plan? Yeah, we'll get to the jet. Plan supposed to land um, <laughs> Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Um, oh, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Costa Rica. But well, yeah, yeah. So right. so he escaped. <laughs> Sam Elliott breaks in, kills three cops. He does. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, wow. bam, bam. And they're like, we gotta go. One was, one was take, holding a gun, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Was established. Yeah. And then Peter Weller gets in a taxi cab, and the cab's like, yeah, fuck the police. I'll get to the I'll get you to the courthouse. Yeah, oh, no, that guy is like that guy's like, I moved here from another country. I am an immigrant. I am an American now, and Americans deserve their day in court let's fucking go that guy ruled that guy was great that guy was great um and then to get to the courthouse over the cop over the cop roadblock was that supposed to try to stop them or supposed to help them i was really confused about the weird hook crane the hook crane he drives into a hook crane and it just takes him over that is the stupidest lifts him up and drops him on the courthouse our our director must have had an idea and he was like this will be funny wasn't well communicated that was obvious i think to my 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 read that was bad comedy that was comedy it was supposed to be funny and my and then Okay, so then the judge is like, on the steps of my court, I'm the law. That's not true. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, Listen, for say me, the most shocking part of the movie was the judge not, you know, sticking up for the cops, which is like what I feel like well, I the, see happening well, the, in the world all the time. And then the bailiff um, pulls a gun on a cop. Oh, insane. Oh, and then uh, what, what do they quote? Make my day. Make my yeah, day. They quote, they quote Dirty Harry. Yeah, they know. quote Dirty Harry. Uh, well, when you say a court on these steps, my word is a lot. Honestly, in like a superior court judge, and that's what it's called in New Jersey. In, in New York, it's actually it's, called a Supreme Court. It was court the Supreme judge. Court. Yeah, yeah. But the Supreme Court is the superior court. It's, it's the entry level kind of court. New York's courts are wacko. But uh, I mean, they do have almost unlimited power to issue orders that must be theoretically huh. obeyed. And it doesn't, it's not like only within a court. I mean, I guess a judge, I mean, a judge can't like go to a Denny's and be like, excuse me, but I order you to give me a big slam. A grand breakfast. slam. <laughs> yeah. I order a grand slam. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, there's a lot going on there that's real dirty. Like the fact that every police officer in New York started chasing that cab as though it was a video game. And every, you know, like they were just, he's on five just, stars like, on GTA. New, new police cars were just oh, like, manifesting uh you know around every corner yeah like it was all that became a frankly an unconvincing scene for mm-hmm. me i was like this is sort of <laughs> stupid like a circus a a single police a single a single police officer would probably chase that cabbie just fine yeah and for there to be 50 didn't really amplify the danger especially because he just kept like zooming through them i don't know just I, I was yeah, like, just because yeah. he had the tape yeah had the recording of this is already murder. burned to a crisp 
But hey, you yeah, know. which probably doesn't work anyhow. You know, and, why would every, and doesn't get accepted. Truly, anyhow. why would any other cop know about that? Yeah, unless the no, all okay, corrupt. I mean, it, yeah, it unless is. It, this is every impl- cop was involved. Like, yeah, this, this implies that every cop corruption. is dirty. Well, there's, there's yeah. that and scene. Frankly, the solution is to kill the drug let's lord at the top. All the cops. Kill the guy who's in prison. I yeah, mean, he's, he's not living on the street. Like, no, just fr- like this is uh, actually Roger Ruben made a complaint about uh, the movie. Uh, it's like out of time or something with Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken. I know that. It's film, like it's yeah. a conspiracy movie that starts small and convincing and becomes increasingly unconvincing as as more and more people are sort of watching Johnny Depp to make sure that he goes through with it. Yeah. But at this point, it feels like every person in the mall who isn't Johnny Depp is a part of the conspiracy, and it's a little unclear as to why they thought they needed Johnny Depp to perpetrate the murder. There would be no <laughs> witnesses because every other person in that mall. I never thought about that. It. You just ruined that. And movie. so in, th- in this scenario. <laughs> Like every cop in the city is simply in on it. So just just kill the guy while you've got him in a holding cell yeah. where you're passing out condoms so the biggest dude can rape the smallest. Just, oh my God. Just, just strangle that guy and then yeah. you don't have to worry about this. You know, like, so we, like the grandiosity of that chase scene diminishes the courtroom mm-hmm. stuff. But that's what I said. It's almost like three movies in one. You got the Sam Elliott super cop stuff. You got the lawyer stuff that's almost it's comprehensible and on the level. Yeah. And then you got the love triangle that sucks. Yeah. Also, we forgot to mention that, that, uh, um, Dalton's wife told fiance since he was pregnant. Um, pointless. Oh pointless. yeah, that really weirded me out. That's honestly. the only. It's it, it's almost like they got. To, it's almost like they were shooting the scenes in order. And somebody <laughs> came up to him and said, "Why is why is there like even a question? Every time this other woman's on screen, yeah, he's deflected. He or not deflected. He's deflated. And you know, and the other woman's like this magnet of absolute passion. And by the way, she's also got that." freaking sweet apartment yeah. and they're in the same field and she's yeah. like i know you i know your soul he's like you're right and then the blonde shows up he's like oh oh here's my fiance and she's pregnant you know, now and so i gotta stay it with feels her like they got to a point in the movie where they're like well we gotta give him some reason for there to be any kind of like like reason to stay with her and she's like i'm pregnant he's like oh fuck <laughs> i was just about to end this you know and then she's like no i wasn't i was just kidding about that he's yeah like, at the oh, end yeah oh. fake fake it, it is Psych. it is weird to me to make him the good guy after cheating on his girlfriend by being like, well, it turns out she lied about being pregnant. Like that just felt odd. It felt really yeah, close. I, yeah. Like yeah. all these people are yeah. bad. Yeah. And and they really tried to pass it off as the rich guy's trying to control me. You know, it's like, it's a funny, yeah. it, that's a trope that's in a lot of the eighties movies. Like daddy, daddy wants us at the club <laughs> at 6 PM sharp for your, for your inauguration. You know? And, and yeah. it's like, Oh fuck. Bad. Yeah, but what about if you, what if you don't have controlling dad and you just have rich Central Park girlfriend? It's yeah, he's like, hey, win, win, win. Like yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, whatever. Yeah. Well, almost done. The, to go back to the case. The, so he goes yes, back, back to the case. case. Back yeah. to the case. Now I know this is wrong. It does not take a jury twenty minutes to get a verdict. It usually well, takes a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I I didn't notice if they were actually looking at clocks during that that window of time. But it but it does it does feel like the whole case happens in two days, and so yeah. to that point, you're 100 percent right. They they truncated a. This would be one of the you know there was just a there was just a case in new in new um, not in New York but in like ah, in the United States you know where some cops were accused of murdering somebody and it took forever and it was national news and like that's the part that doesn't really make it to page here where. The, the press would be interested. Like, it's almost a shame that they wanted to do the movie about the the cop and the, the undercover cop and the drug dealer 
as a courtroom drama and the movie about the undercover cop and the drug dealer that's basically it's, lethal weapon too. It's, it's, it's a like, shame that they wanted to do both. Yeah. Because the timing was it's 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 <laughs> okay, here's the sentence. Shakedown is a lot like Empire Strikes Back because the tra- the Jedi training sequence in that doesn't make any sense in the time frame. <laughs> it's like sure. in, in yeah, Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Luke Luke gets trained in an afternoon. <laughs> if you look at the greater the greater time frame of what's happening around him. Just like this, yeah. the courtroom stuff should be taking weeks, if not months, and it takes days, if not hours. Well, they have mm-hmm. to produce discovery and they'd have to do it all without computers. Yeah. Like this yeah. is a this is a world of like mimeograph machines where they're <laughs> where they're rifling off hundreds of pages of like stained like sticky inky documents and they're gonna have sticky, to go, icky? they're gonna have to go they're gonna have to go interview all those cops. Like we jump right to direct and then cross-examination of witnesses. And frankly, there'd be prep. There's no prep time. Everything's like, it's like it's almost like you were there yesterday, right? You remember it pretty well, right? I mean, it's just bizarre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so from that perspective, I do agree with you. Like it's, it falls into the same trap as almost everything. Every episode of Law & Order makes it feel like from arrest to judgment, it takes approximately 30 minutes. But, uh, you know, in this case, it would have taken a year or more. In that yeah. case that you cited, I bet the guy was like sitting in a jail waiting for trial for 18 months or something. Yes. So, but- yeah. I'm sorry, no. but but he's, he's no, found not guilty. And then my favorite line in the movie when Dalton says, I'll see you in jail. <laughs> <laughs> not guilty. All right, I'll see you in jail. Because he's still going to he's still going to prison. Like the drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. they would kill him. <laughs> yeah, well, they would kill him. That's what happened to the real guy. Um yeah. it's just a sad story for this one dude. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. For, for poor Mike Jones. Not not that Mike Jones. And then fuck, okay, so you have been sh- shooting down my this movie is not realistic viewpoints left okay, and right, on. Alfred. <laughs> but- hold on, hold on. I want to just jump in now, and I want I want to say that's that may be the way the sa- the sounds, but I do not believe this movie is large. Generally speaking, realistic. I feel like your point is like what happens in these court situations actually could. In, in the event that I could. have sounded like this sounds like my day to day, that's not what I mean. I just mean I mean that it's not quite as outlandish. The courtroom stuff is a lot closer to uh, uh, nonfiction than the roller coaster. But stuff. I also think that a lot of that might be accidental. Like Glickenhouse yeah. accidentally got it right a few times. It's possibly got sued. Yeah. I, one more thing have, with the courthouse. I do, actually had courtroom experience. I do one, one more thing with the courthouse. I like is that for a lot of the shots where. Um, uh, Dalton is saying, "Explain to us." He's sit- standing next to one juror, this old white dude with glasses, and it is <laughs> the guy is just in the middle of the shot, and he's like, "Explain to us, me and my dad." <laughs> like that's, that's what funny. it feels like. It's just like this it's old like, guy is right there. What are yeah. you doing here? Yeah. yeah, some some of the questions they asked were probably uh, way off bounds. Wait, uh, excuse me. Oh, sound a little heartburn. Way out of bounds. I joked with Madeline while I was watching it. I'm like, well, at, at the very least, that was a compound question. Like, at one point, <laughs> yeah. he, he speaks for almost uninterrupted for two minutes to ask a question. I'm like, no, no, no. That's, no, no. that's <laughs> that that's, wouldn't fly. That's, that's movie. That's movie yes. questions. Speaking that's of what won't question. fly, after he's found not guilty, after he's oh, found boy. not guilty, oh boy, Walt Dalton leaves the courtroom. Sam Melly is there with the dead cop's porch. <laughs> It's never explained why they have it. They just simply have his bright red Porsche all of a sudden. Although they do address it in the court, they do have a they do have a back and forth about the reason this guy has this Porsche. Yeah, but but why does Dalton have it? There's no reason why Dalton has it. Yeah, yeah. If you're trying to tell me there's a reason he doesn't have it, I'm all (laughs) (laughs) ears. And then, oh God, 
It's the best scene in any movie ever. <laughs> it's incredible. It's it really is. Why don't you describe it, Madeline? So basically, one, I don't know what airport this is. We were trying to figure out if they were driving <laughs> west or east from New York City. Are they going to Newark? Are they going to Teterboro Airport? We don't know, but they're going to some private airport um, somewhere off of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the bad cop and the drug dealer board a medium sized plane, not a small plane, a medium sized plane. Uh, and the plane begins to take off as Sam Elliott and and Peter Weller are driving in this bright wet red Porsche. There's a camera that, underneath it. There's a camera that, that's way out in front of the plane. In and I was thinking they were doing um, a trick, like with you know, with um, depth of field. So the car was actually really far away from the plane, but then it became very clear it wasn't. Yeah, the, the car was literally driving under the plane. You see this little thing appear as a blur in the distance, and I shouted, "That's the Porsche!" Yeah, it was. It was like but shocking they, almost immediately. Yeah, yeah it I don't cuts know how, in front yeah. of one of the wheels in such a way that it makes it clear. They're occupying the same space, right. and then Sam Elliott, and then the the nose lifts off of you know a good five and a half minutes. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Sam Elliott climbs onto, he jumps onto the plane, grabs onto it, and the plane starts flying over the Hudson, <laughs> over the Hudson River. And they don't retract the the. Uh, nope, they don't retract it. So he's just hanging gear. on. And uh, he, sh- he shoots the engine. He shoots the engine. He shoves a grenade in there. One of his cool yellow he fashion gr- grenades. He sticks the grenade he didn't use. That's Chekhov's uh-huh. grenade. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's That's fuselage. And yeah. we see the uh, oh oh my god they almost fly into the the Empire oh State god. Building and then the Twin Towers yes. and we were we were screaming. I screamed the word no. Yes, we were both very upset. <laughs> I screamed. I screamed. Sam Elliott did nine eleven. No. Uh, <laughs> I screamed no. I was like no. This is too big a deal. Don't you dare for this dumb fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> like yes, this is a decade and a half early, but <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't you dare. And then, um, yeah. But then Go it ahead. just doesn't. Yeah. Then, <laughs> the plane makes it. The plane's fine. It, it just goes flies over with all the grenade the buildings. And for a while. Uh, which also means this plane is ridiculously high. So, like, I worked. I worked for Spotify for a while. Oh, okay. Spotify is in um, the where the World Trade Center was. So, I was on the 70th floor. We were very, very, very fucking high. I yeah. hated it. I hated taking the elevator up. I hated looking out the windows. I quit that job pretty quickly. Um, but they would be high enough up at that point where if somebody fell off that plane, their whole body would explode. They're like <laughs> four or five bridges up. You yeah. know? So like sometimes people will fall off a bridge and they'll be okay, but often they're not. Often they're <laughs> killing themselves when they jump off said bridge. I- He's at least four or five bridges up. When he falls off that plane. He's at least 1,200 feet out. Into the Hudson River. Which if the fall didn't kill him, the water quality did. I like what I like how using bridge as a measurement. Like <laughs> one bridge, two bridge, three bridge, jump. <laughs> he's way too Listen, high. He's really high everyone, up. Knows, everyone knows the travel height of the George Washington Bridge. So <laughs> just multiply that travel height. But, I mean, and nobody and then, knows how tall the Twin Towers were. Yeah. And then... And then the plane lands and blows up. So 
So, uh, Richard Mark. Why did the plane come back? Why did it come he back? Because he shot off the engine. It had to go back. Oh, okay. So they're like, our engine's bad. Let's turn around. Which and also, I'm pretty sure he takes off over the East River. And then Sam Elliott falls into the Hudson. Well, he definitely flies south over the island of Manhattan. Right. He passes the we Empire State Building. Yeah. Then the World Trade Center. Then the Statue of Liberty. Yes, that's about where Sam Elliott drops then off. Then bears left. Yeah, yeah and so then it he, loops back around, and somehow Sam Elliott is just off of the we, coast. We need, and, a, we and need an expert. We need, that an, we need an expert about planes in the Hudson. Someone call Sully. I did also. Let's call Sully. Did, Let's get call, Sully on the phone. Sully on the case. And then, but here's here's what I okay. And in addition to all that, Sam Elliott just murdered two pilots. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie, yeah. and he's so not using a cop gun. He's using like his his, his own his, gun, his yeah, personal 45. You know, it's funny. I thought I really thought that that he was gonna that uh, that Lickenhouse was going for uh, uh, oh gosh darn it, what's that Kubrick movie where the guy the Kubrick movie? It's his, it's his big, oh, you're talking about Doctor Strangelove. Doctor Strangelove. Like a Doctor Strangelove. Like like, is, Doctor he Strangelove going, is he going Doctor Strangelove? Here? I don't think he did. It's I like don't the think so. Doctor Strangelove, and he flies a plane up into the air to destroy it, like. But then he let go. He chickened out. I was like, it would be kind of wild. <laughs> this burnout Sam Elliott cop was like, I got, I got a partner. And he jumps on a plane <laughs> and rides it like with a that grenade like, to explode a plane in midair while he's on it. No, also, the plane <clears throat> explodes on the ground and Sam Elliott's fine. You know why? I bet, he swims back to the landing I, I strip. Bet, I bet that he blew up an actual plane and I yeah. bet you couldn't do it in the air. I bet the FAA was like, fuck you, idiot. Yeah, you think that it was a real plane blowing Yeah, up? and I bet he's like, all right, well, we'll just... So much of so what we'll they just did do was it so weirdly that he real. messes up the plane so they have to land it. And yeah, that's bye. a good point, well, yeah. Well, then what will make it explode? I got an idea about that. He's going to place a grenade gingerly inside the plane. <laughs> gingerly. And then, and then leap from the plane so as to not explode himself. Just before I forget, from what I read, Glickenhaus was not happy with the ending. He didn't like the special effects because that's special. All well, right. we were happy with. We it. No, no, yes. no. I agree. There was that was the only time that there was any real obvious green screen. It yeah, really wasn't. Yeah, actually, well, it's yes, more it was, like, it I would imagine that's probably yeah, real projection. It, yeah, it yeah. looked like a uh, Superman 1981 or yeah. 1979. It looked, yes. looked fake. Yeah. I also want to mention when Sam Elliott is climbing onto the plane, there is a shot of Peter Weller driving the Porsche that is. Very, very blatantly a nah. stunt double and not him yeah, at I'm all. Almost the dude Danny had curly, dark hair. Yeah, yeah. that was Danny Aiello <laughs> 3. That was Danny Aiello <laughs> 3. Yeah, we're all laughing, but he did <laughs> die at the age of 53. Like, oh, rest in peace. Yes, yeah, rest in peace, dude. You did a great job. Yeah. You, rest in peace, Danny Aiello 3. You, you rocked it in Shakedown. He did rock the, it. He did. The, the greatest movie um, starring Sam Elliott oh. and Peter Weller ever made. Um, uh, we got we got to the very end, and we didn't talk about the scene that was truly the most head scratching. At one point, Peter Weller's like standing outside by himself, and seven or eight cops form oh, a circle yeah. around him. Oh my god! To slap their palms with their batons. <laughs> then nobody that. says a word. They walk in a circle. You see about six different cops, just different hands, because one of them's lefty. I'm like, huh? All right. So it wasn't just like one cop they shot from different like, sides. And then they all disperse. Oh, what did I say at the end of that scene? What did was I that, yell? Was it a flash mob? Was that a flash mob? <laughs> my friend said, my, I watched it last night with my friend MC said, what the fuck is this West Side Story? I know. <laughs> that scene was so When unusual, you're a cop, so you're a cop all the way. <laughs> yeah, what an archaic form of intimidation. Well, this might be my longest episode. <laughs> 
we're sorry. Welcome no. to welcome to Maham. Everyone in Maham, Madeline and her watch movies. <laughs> great, it's great. I, I I do want to mention really quick before I forget that this movie did okay in the box office. Um, Good for that. Open it made ten million, but Exterminator made ten. Exterminator made thirty million dollars. Exterminator was a huge hit. This was mm-hmm. a kind of a minor hit. It did beat. So I, what's really funny is I know what I was doing the day this film came out in theaters because Please this, tell me what you're doing. I was seeing the the Treat Williams Joe Piscopo zombie film Dead Heat with my dad. <laughs> Damn, that movie blows. Cool. <laughs> it's a cool thing that you can remember that. Yeah, it's cool because it came out the same weekend. It came out the same weekend, and my dad took me and my brother to go see Dead Heat because that's what you take dad, an eight year old. I watch I watched Dead Heat again pretty recently, and I'm like, this sucks. That movie sucks shit. That movie sucks yeah. shit. Yes. Um. It, yeah, so well, this is probably less appropriate for you. <laughs> this movie beat Dead Heat. So that's good. You yeah, know what? Good. I saw in your notes it, like it cost that. six million. It made about ten. Yeah. So that's not great, but you know, frankly, they probably they probably spent two million dollars blowing up. An I mean, honestly, <laughs> if that's not great, give me, I want a million dollars. I think this. I think this and the protector kind of killed Guckenhaus's big studio career. Yeah. Because after that, he did straight to video, and then he quit. So yeah, and he mostly well, he mostly was producing for like yeah, producing art directors. Yeah. And buying cars. <laughs> mm-hmm, that too. He was the car man. Glickenhaus is a genius. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, and I, I, Alfred, I'm so, I'm angry that this film is so accurate. Like, well, look, again, I think not maybe I've oversold it. Okay, not, it's, it's less not as outlandish, outlandish, it's not as outlandish as, I would as we assumed it, it would okay, be. Okay, yeah, yes, yeah, it's yeah. still crazy. I mean, the whole thing of the of the of the legal aid breaking the law to, to, to do his own investigation in the case. Oh well, that part's that part. While while, well. while sleeping with the DA and becoming a witness in the although in the this says more about the American court system than it does about James Clicken. <laughs> I don't think that's true either. I feel like I've misrepresented myself here. <laughs> No, I would say this is probably Alfred's like a, getting disbarred this tonight. Is, this is like a mugging <laughs> that reflects James Gluckenhaus perfectly. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I, now I have to watch this movie again and understand, so I have a better understanding of the legal system. Um, because yeah, before that's it. My, my, I am not my understanding of the legal system is what I see on Law and Order and Night Court. The end. Um, well, Law and Order is a bunch of shit. Oh, I know. And Night Court, <laughs> yeah, we Night Court that. also. Fuck that show. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, uh, Night Court hater Alfred, thanks for joining us. Um, and Madeline, thanks as always. Uh, do you Anytime. Have any, do you have any other things about this ridiculous movie you want to bring up? No, I, I, I honestly, I recommend it. Yeah, I really no. do. I okay. see if you can find the Shout Factory DVD. Yeah, like they did like a great job. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a total blast. I'm yeah. actually really, I, I appreciate you for putting this into my. Uh, my uh you know my world i've never even heard of this yeah we've had a great night we went on the border watched this movie talked about this movie with you fucking fantastic yeah i can't wait to hear the podcast when it comes out yeah i'm i'm happy i'm happy well uh madeline as always where can people find you on the internet they can find me at dvd box set i'm on all social media that is my twitter instagram everything handle um, Letterboxd as well. Um, or if they want to listen to the podcast that Alfred and I do, Madeline and her attorney watch movies that is on Spotify, iTunes, and pretty much any other like yeah. podcatcher type Everywhere app. Podcasts are yeah. sold. Yeah, it's yeah on I'm, a lot of I'm good. I'm good with that RSS feed. So check us out. 
And Alfred, um, where can they find you online? Well, usually, oh, online. I was going to say usually I'm up on top of the Empire State Building, but um, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really have an internet presence. I okay, try that's to fine. Keep it pretty low profile. I think it's because, the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, the podcast is about it. I am on Twitter, but I don't really publicize it just because I do actually work for the state, and I don't want to be no uh, problem. His Twitter is DVD box set. That's right. Yeah. yeah. His Twitter is Alfred <laughs> underscore lawyer lawyer. It's, at- it's no, it's Doctor Michael Morbius. MD and PhD. That's, uh, that's who. You, that's where you'll find me on Twitter. I heard about that. Yes. Anyway, it's, that was a good episode, by the way. Um, well, you know, Mobius episode. Thank you. Very funny. Yeah. Um, anyway, as that's usual, I'm online as Lost Turntable uh, at Twitter, LostTurntable.com, Lost Turntable on YouTube. I think that's everything. And I do have my other podcast, um, Alexander's Ragtime Band, where I talk about dad music, Madeline. Um, progressive rock moody blues yes fuckers um (laughs) this this i think the most current episode will be covering two i'm not even gonna mention what it is because you'll just make fun of me so i'm just gonna stop now um that was no no we won't make fun of you now i want to know okay well we're covering two progressive rock bands I, I, I'll make fun of me. One is a German band called Mythos, who's primarily perform on sequencers and flute. And the other uh, that sounds sick. And the other is Exception, which is a Dutch rock band that does rock covers of classical rock, classical music. Yo, yeah. I'm into this. I'm this sounds German, sick. Dutch. Yeah. Okay, well that's great. Alexander's yeah. Ragtime Band. You can check that one out. Anyway, I'm gonna listen. Okay, no, you won't. It's okay. I will. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that'll be that's it for today's episode of Cinema Oblivia. Um, I feel drunk, and it's noon, so thank you guys. Um, Enjoy I'll the be, rest of your vacation. I will. Well, I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, take care. Bye.